This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that likes to hunt tigers. And uh, in a Michael Caine fashion, possibly with a machine gun, but we'll probably just leave that there. Uh, right, cup football, page one, win. It's that simple really, isn't it? Uh, Chelsea faced a typically tricky away tie at championship side Hull City in the FA Cup on Saturday. And with a much maligned, uh, much maligned? I've got, I've got the wrong glasses on. A much changed side. Mind you, they were much maligned. Anyway, a much changed side. It's a bit like Gromit, isn't it? They've got the wrong glasses, wrong trousers, wrong glasses, wrong fucking day of the week. I don't know. Much changed side made harder work of it than they probably should. Uh, different side, same issues, such as failing to put sides away and being vulnerable to defensive errors. No wonder Frank was decidedly grumpy afterwards. But was he sending a message to the board? A plea for fresh blood, even? No one would blame him, but again, it should be remembered, Chelsea won. And if we win the FA Cup in May, few will remember a 2-1 win away at Hull City in the fourth round, except future Chelsea authors writing a book about it in 30 years' time. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the KC Stadium in the night. Oh, cheech. Tiger burnt, tigers burnt, the Chelsea fan cast number 490. So there you go. Um, while I talk to you, Jonathan, say hello, mate. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Chief. Fantastic to be on the show. Well, there you go. Looking that aff- forward to it. Marvellous. Wow. Well, that affords me the opportunity to put the correct glasses on so that I can actually I think read just, things. We're going to come to blues. Why? Why? What have I done now? I'm one of those 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 whingy people who thinks it's not good enough. I know, but I'm used to that, so I've just tuned it out, mate. Oh, okay. You know, right. it, come, I mean, I'd, you know, this is see. I don't actually know the answer to this. I wonder if you do. Do you remember when you started doing the podcast with us? Do you know how many years you've been doing? I'm afraid, since I've no memory at all. I, I can't. You know, I can't think of it either because. Uh, 
Anyway, uh, you know, I've tuned you out, mate. That's all right. So you can't irritate me anymore. It's easy. You can whine oh, as much Steve. as you like, and it won't make a difference to me. Will Martin irritate you? No, Martin's lovely. Uh, actually, I should, I should introduce Martin. We've got... I mean, you see, I'm tempted to say that Martin is making his debut on the Chelsea fancast, and for everybody listening uh, in Ulaanbaatar, I'm talking about Martin Wickham. But Martin used to come and be on the benches regularly in Putney Station, didn't you, Martin? That is true. I got loaned out, though, didn't I? So, Well, that was many years after we'd left, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Putney Station, and you, you, you disgracefully went off to the dark side, to the podding shed. But well, famously uh, independent, mate. I know you are. But, uh, I mean, I can't... I mean, Jonathan said before we went on air what a joy it is to have you on the show, and I echo that. It's an absolute delight to have you on the show again, but this time properly, behind the microphone, with lots of stuff to say, rather than hurling abuse at me from the benches drunk in Putney Station, much as I miss those days. So lovely to have you on the show, Martin. Uh, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me on. Marvellous. Right, now, uh, we've got uh, loads to do tonight, as ever, so I'm going to prattle on uh, and then we'll get into it so well what we, what we got on tonight well on the show tonight we ask is cup football all about winning or should we expect decent performances too did frank have much choice with his team selection did batshuai do enough to prove he can be an able deputy to tammy and with tamori being the star of the show should he be starting more regularly uh, in part two we discuss another shocking refereeing performance from craig porson sympathize oh. with pedro marvel at billy gilmore and wonder at frank lampard's post-match comments and in part three we look back at tuesday's match against arsenal a draw that felt like a loss but was it the squandered chances or the defending to blame and uh, with the same mistakes happening every week is it on Frank or the players? And with our next three league matches being Leicester away and United and Spurs at home, could this decide whether or not Chelsea finish in the top four? And as ever, in part four, we have some cracking emails to read out. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. I have to report, Jonathan, this is not yeah. no, this is not a good thing to report at all. I have to report that we are rather low on numbers this week in Mixilla. Oh, dear. I wonder why that is. Oh. I think, I think that, 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 right, they deserve a detention. Those that are not in the house need to be in detention. Um, but, did, we, did we say anything last week that defended them? Um, oh, well, probably. I normally do. Yeah, well, I mean, so we, did we not offend them enough? Well, maybe that's true. Maybe I'll try harder. I mean, do you know what? On uh, on the Love Sports show, the breakfast show yesterday with Mort, we were talking about uh, Mohammed bin Salman possibly taking over Newcastle. And I actually said live, oh, this is on live national radio, folks. I said, well, I suppose on the bright side, if the number nine's rubbish, then he, at least he can have him chopped up into little pieces and disappeared. Oh. <gasps> Which I thought was hilarious. Went went down like a cup of cold sick, obviously. Are you coming back next week? Uh, I haven't heard anything, so I'm presuming that I am. <laughs> you know, Remember, this is a station run by Calvin McKenzie, so he probably thought it was hilarious. Mind well, you, so it, was probably, well, it was probably dumped anyway. So uh, well, I don't know. No. Well, Will, Will thought it was great radio, so you know, yeah. I'm beginning to yeah. warm to Will. Anyway. So the, the more contentious we are on Love Sport, the better it is. Is that right? I don't know, really. I mean, who mm. knows? I just... Just I just let any old crap blurt out of my mouth, mate. I mean, like I've been doing this for 12 years or whatever. Anyway, um, I should give a shout-out to the one... Oh, the numbers have increased. Since we got steadily more rude, the numbers have increased, Jonathan. It's obviously the future. 
Yeah. But we have Beltway Blue, Tom Hayward Smith, Aussie Sign My Broken Leg, Benji Toe, Adam Finnegan, Rob Coombe, Drink Vodka, Nobby Steelers, Planet Earth is Blue, Sean B, the lovely Claire McConnell. Uh, so Tim will be happy to have heard her mention, and David Hurst, and many, many more besides. Lovely to see you in there as ever. Don't forget, of course, you can always uh, tweet us at Chelsea Fancast uh, if you want to say anything to us, moan. Uh, make some helpful suggestions. Just say hello. We don't mind. We're, we're all good for that. Anyway, after the very short break, we, we shall be back with the football. So there we go. Uh, you know, Hull City away. Um, we had uh, an interesting uh, team selection, as you would expect. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, it's the fourth round of the FA Cup. Uh, it was always going to be tricky. Those kind of matches are. For me, uh, cup football, it's all about winning it and getting into the next round and then hopefully getting into the next round and then hopefully getting into the next round and then hopefully winning it. That that for me is what it's all about. And I shall, as, as you know, as kind of... Uh, Policy and politeness dictates, Jonathan. I'm going to ask Martin this question first, as he's our, yes, our I guest. Yes, he deserves it because I've been windy. So, yeah. would you agree, Martin, or am I just some kind of mad old bastard? Well, you are a mad old bastard. Well, this is but true. I would partially agree. Um, the result is ultimately the only thing that counts. But from the way we started, with the chances we created, for it to be as rubbish as it was from about 30 minutes onwards, was. Um, quite disappointing for me i mean i wasn't at the game i was watching on the tv very unlike you it has to be said i had a free night the night before that was the main reason why and then the second being there was no trains out of london king's cross so to the people who did go up there from london fair play to them because that would have been a long old journey for them Mm, mm. but um yeah you could sense the commentators for about 20 minutes they thought we were going to run up a cricket score and then when they realised we weren't taking our chances, all of a sudden a switch went on in Steve McManaman's head and he was, this is the guy who was on the UK commentary, and he was thinking, oh, if they hold on, they may have a chance here. But um, uh, yeah, we're in the hat for the next round. And more importantly, we didn't get caught with the replay because that would have knackered their plans to go on a summer break or whatever it is they're going to be doing, which Klopp's been whinging about all of last 24 hours or so well i've got i've got to say i think that the the idea of having the cup replays in the designated uh premier league winter break is just it just beggars belief and in fact actually while i'm on the subject because uh obviously you know the draw is going to be live in about five minutes so hopefully we'll find out who we're playing in the next round soon i i I found out today that the next round is going to be midweek between March the 3rd and the 5th yes, because yeah watch. because of the Premier League break there'll be no replays it'll go to penalties I, I mean you know Jesus Christ, don't let don't get me started Jonathan let's get get us back on the point um well, they are it, destroying the traditions chief they are mate aren't yeah, they absolutely I hate absolutely them. appalling I hate them yeah. and Klopp, Klopp and Guardiola can get to fuck as well, well moaning that's the about trouble it. isn't it is that they're they're, they're 
they're very keen on a kind of elite setup that doesn't actually uh, coincide with our expectations of of the wonderful traditions of this of the best uh, um, FA of the best cup competition in the world. But at the moment, it's being diluted to a degree that is making it ridiculous. Um, but and also, um, uh, I, I did feel that last night's game was uh, by by insisting on playing all the reserves. He is similarly. Um, uh, carrying on with that with that aspect of diluting the competition, and I think they should be fined because, if I remember rightly, somebody somebody put forward a really understrength team in the Checker Trade Trophy last year, and they got thrown out. And um, and uh, the very fact he puts all the reserves in, I just think is completely uh, it's appalling. They, I, why I, hope are they get, allowed, I hope they get knocked they out, mate. This? I mean, me too. So do I. Yeah, I suppose that's the that's the positive. Um, but um, to, just to get back to uh, to the game, I, I think the dilemma we've got, which I think Martin pointed out, of course, is that um, um, for 20 minutes we were fabulous. Uh, and this is the problem. Um, and it's a re- recurring problem. It was the same against Arsenal. And they seem then to become a team incapable of, th- of working out where the goal is. And um, they seem to lose all their skill. It's like they take... Too, too many touches or the last touch takes the ball to the goalkeeper or they're just not in the right position or they go wide or the speed of pass is wrong. And I find it completely weird. Well, you, you, you said, no, well, OK, let me try and explain why then, because, it, you know, the reality is uh, largely because, you know, it is a cup match. He is playing against, you know, technically lesser opposition. So, you know, he was always going to choose. He was always going to choose. You know, some of the squad players, some of the people who haven't been getting a game recently. So, hence you get Alonso playing, Barkley playing. Um, you know, surprisingly, Mount played. I was, you know, that was a surprise. Pedro and Batshuayi, and obviously Caballero. I mean, Tamori and Zuma have had a few games earlier on the season, but seem to have been superseded by Christensen and Rudiger. I'm not sure if that's entirely right. So, you know, you've got players who have not been playing week in, week out with each other. So I think it's inevitable that you're going to get a bit of dysfunctionality as a result, don't you, Jonathan? No, I don't. I think they're uh, elite footballers and they should take their chances. And uh, when you're one-on-one with the goalkeeper, you shouldn't have a heavy touch. You should uh, be in a position to score because that's that's what you do in training. And well, I think all this business of giving them all these allowances, it's just slightly doing my head in. Well, I'll tell because you what. Because in the end, we just make excuse after excuse after excuse. And some of them are just not doing it. And we've just got to accept that. And they're probably, um, uh, their shelf life has expired. And uh, but because of the possibility of not having anybody bought in the transfer window, which is similarly absolutely weird, um, uh, they may be hanging around till the summer, so we may have to, we may see the recurring aspects of their um, not performing for Chelsea over and over again. Martin, what do you reckon? Is, is Jonathan? I mean, you know, I was tempted to say in the in the words of uh, the uh, the very famous uh, "Only a pound." If you think you can do better, put your boots on and have a game. That's what he always says, doesn't he, Martin? Yeah, yeah the voice ain't far off either. No, <laughs> actually, a good. Um... Best wishes to him because he had yeah. a bit of a. Well, what, what happened up, to him? I don't. I don't yeah. know. I genuinely don't know. I, oh. I read about it and then I heard some things, but I, without hearing it from the man himself, I don't want to um, no. suggest anything. So I genuinely do hope. Don't, he's don't right. be like Best the sun. Don't be like uh, the sun. 
Don't or, buy the sun. Or don't Sky News. Sun. Don't be the sun. Don't be anything <laughs> with the sun. Um, some of the experienced players that were playing there on Saturday, um, I've lost it with a couple. I mean, I don't like to single out players individually, but I think Ross Barkley's one of the most frustrating and ultimately disappointing oh. footballers we're ever going to encounter. I genuinely... It's like, you can see that he can... It's there but he just, for whatever reason, he just cannot do it. And I know we're going to come on to this later with, in regards to what Lampard said in the interview, as Pilaqueta said it in the interview as well. And I think Barkley is one of the targets. There were a few players freelancing out there as people in individual actions. And when they're not working as a team, it just doesn't work. I mean, Mount was running on empty as well. And he needs a break. And he's he's so, probably he had, so does, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's had a few... I mean, he got that Valencia player who went through him in September and then he came back three days later. So that needs to needs a rest there. But again, if you've got other players that are out injured and you've got Pulisic out, um, Loftus-Cheek's still going to be nowhere near fully fit until the end of the season. Yeah, and he's got, he's got to I don't play. think he'll get back in, actually, actually yes. Martin. I think, yes. it, I think he'll, he'll, he'll train with the first team, but I think it's going to take, be practically impossible for him. It was a full Achilles tear, wasn't it? It's a serious, yeah. serious yeah. business. Yeah. Kind of, kind of yeah. thing that would have finished somebody's career 25, 30 years ago. I'd say ten years ago. Well, well there we go. Maybe, yeah, I mean, I, I always remember in the seventies, as Jonathan would, that if you had an Achilles injury, that's it. It was career over. Leg in plaster for six months. That's it. Game over. You know. So it, I, 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 you know, Jonathan's been saying this for for a long time actually on the show, Martin. That. You know, he doesn't think that we're going to see Loftus-Cheek this season, and I think he's right. I think it was a horrific injury, and he'll be lucky to get back to anything near as good as he was. I hope he does, because he is a hell of a player if he does. Um, look, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you at all, JK. I, mean, I, I know I before we went on air was moaning about whiny teenagers and all the rest of it, but um, I absolutely and utterly concur with you. I think that there are a plethora of Chelsea players who are simply not good enough. But I think when I say, you know, did Frank have much choice, I think he has to rest some players and he has to spread it around a bit and he has to choose a team that he thinks that can do the job. But clearly, I mean, to name names, I agree with you. Barkley, Alonso, um, uh, Pedro. Pedro. Yeah, we'll talk about Pedro in a minute, actually, because I have an element of sympathy with him. But, you know, there are too many players who are not good enough. And I don't think he has a lot of choice. Let's let's kind of park this for a bit because I want to get back into this because I think, you know, no doubt everybody wants to hear about, um, you know, what we think about what Frank said post-match. And, of course, me being a complete twat, I've put that right at the end of the bit that I want to talk about the match. So let's just park it for there because let's let's talk in more specifics about the most obvious candidate who has a chance to prove that he is good enough. And, of course... That's Batshuayi, not least because Giroud may well go. And, of course, Tammy's got a knock and we don't know how long he'll be out for. Um, he scored. Uh, it was deflected. I mean, I think his shot was... Lads. Home draw. You got it yeah. already? God, yeah, that's come out now. quick. That's come out quick. Oh, bloody hell. Shrewsbury or Liverpool? Oh, well, obviously it'll be Shrewsbury, <laughs> won't Shrewsbury. it? <laughs> I don't know who that Chelsea fan is. <laughs> well, there we go. That's... Uh, yeah, I don't really know what to think about that. Let's 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 talk about this for a minute, Martin. What do you think about that? Um, I, I because it's been moved to midweek. I'm just happy it's a home draw. To be honest, um, hopefully Liverpool do pay for their um, mugging the cup off in the replay if they are going to do it as planned, and we get a easier draw. But it's no disrespect to Shrewsbury because they've done magnificently to come back from 
the two-goal deficit on yesterday. Uh, going back to little, very little bit to Liverpool, he's been moaning about the replay. Well, if you don't want a replay, don't piss a two-goal lead up the wall against the League One team. He said he's not going to be the manager, is he? He's going to leave the well, yeah. reserve team guy to do it. Yeah, that, well, they lost 5-0 last time that happened when they did it against Villa. Yeah. Bottom line is, I mean, you know, I would love Shrewsbury to, to beat Liverpool. Um, I mean, if he does generally play all the kids, there's a chance. But, I mean, you know, uh, I can't see it happening. So it looks like we've got Liverpool at home. So that'll be very interesting. You know, the, you know Klopp has a terrible record in the FA Cup. He's lost to Wolves a few times, yeah. hasn't he? They've not gone much beyond this stage, actually, since he's been manager there. So, interesting. Well, we shall see. I mean, I doubt if it'll tell us when it is yet, but there you go. Jonathan, any other thoughts on, on whether we get Shrewsbury or Liverpool? I'm annoyed by it. Cause, uh, Who did you I want? Saw, I, I would owe anybody not in the top four. You know, I just fancied a... Um, mind you, we'd, if, if we played somebody in... Um, a bit lower down, they just play with two banks of five and, and just suffocate us. But um, I just fancied, a, you know, I, I like going through slowly and meeting the top teams a bit further up, like sixth or semi-final. I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm like that. I like easy draws early on mm. uh, at home. I'd have liked whoever's left, Colchester, whoever, well, I can't remember who's Portsmouth, left. From, Portsmouth yeah. was the lowest uh, ranked team. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have loved yeah. them. Or, uh, Northampton's still in They've it. got a home draw against Bournemouth or Arsenal, Portsmouth. That could uh, be interesting. Portsmouth of Bournemouth would be fun, wouldn't it? Because I've got, yeah. I've got money on uh, Bournemouth to win tonight, by the way, so keep an eye on that. All right, anyway, back back to uh, past events. Jonathan, as I've got you got your attention, did uh, Batshuayi do uh, anything to prove that he can be an able deputy to uh, Tammy Abraham? No, not in the slightest. I've got fed up with him. I think it's a complete waste of time now. I think he should just either come on as sub and twirl in the penalty area. I, he sort of turns it on or not. He doesn't seem to be able to play 90 minutes. Um, he, he just is he's, he's not bright enough. Uh, he's he, he just his control isn't good enough. I'm sorry, I've just got fed up. I just think they, I don't quite understand how. He's been considered, and I thought that he would have given Giroud a go, actually, but obviously Giroud is no longer uh, um, uh, cons- uh, considered for the first team. So uh, um, I don't know what's happening there. And I, that, I think, relates also to the transfer window. I don't get what's occurring. I mean, perhaps he just doesn't think that Giroud figures. I have to say, when Giroud did play, he looked as if he was playing with saucepans tied to him. And he just hit the ball, just, you know, hit him on the handle of his saucepan or his shoulder or his stomach or whatever, and he didn't he didn't look competent at all. So um, perhaps that's in Frank's mind and in training he thinks, right, well, he's not the man for me, but um, which case, can we get rid of him and get someone else in, please? Oh, yeah. And he won't, get, he won't get rid of him, of course, until um, they've got someone else. Well, no, exactly. Can... Uh, Martin, are you uh, as down on Batshuayi as uh, JK is? Uh, maybe not as down, but he's had his chances. Um, he's not good enough, is he? No, he's not good enough. And people cite, you know, how many minutes between goals, but you know, he he very rarely starts, and when he does, he doesn't look great. His main, the main times he's been most effective is when he's come off the bench and sat on the six yard box against tired defenders. Well, I mean, that that's interesting, you know, because actually, I mean, like you, I was watching it on the old on the old box. Uh, I mean, how I don't know because I I did the Love Sports show in the morning. Uh, drove back down to Winchester, uh, parked myself in front of the TV to watch the cricket, promptly fell asleep, woke up just before the game in somewhat of a comatose state, 
uh, was almost rendered asleep again within half an hour in a comatose state, but I managed to hang on in there and watch the match. But what Hoddle said afterwards I thought was really interesting because he, he, he kind of pretty much said the same as you. He said, look, you know, basically he's not good enough, but he, he's, he's a useful sub to come on. He's a good player to have coming on because he can get you a goal because he can finish. So it's interesting. But, I, you know, it, it, I think it, it, we are not in a good position when we have such thin backup to Tammy Abraham and I think it speaks volumes for how well Tammy Abraham has done in his first season in the Premier League at the age that he is to make the impact that he has so uh, anyway moving on to brighter things actually I mean for me our, our man of the match was without doubt Ficayo Tamori and I've, I've been wittering on about this for the last few weeks haven't I Jonathan about where the hell is he you know what's yeah. wrong with him what's uh, going on well, well, why is he suddenly why did he choose Christensen and Rudiger as the, the supposedly better combination? I can see Christensen, um, why Christensen gets picked, because he's, he's a very crisp passer. I think of all of them, he passes the ball the best. Um, but, uh, and he, and he, he seemed to pass the test against um, Burnley, Christensen. But um, uh, I'm, I don't know why he's not now trying Christensen and Tamori. Perhaps he will try that. Um, but uh, something has happened in training that Tamari somehow isn't isn't figuring. And then know, Zuma was, you know, I, I still don't get Zuma seems to, you know, he tries his guts out. Uh, it's, it's obviously something going wrong because they're they're just not. Well, I don't know. I've got I've got a theory, mate, because, you know, okay. we, we, we've also been talking recently about the fact that one of the problems that we've had, I think, in defence is that we just haven't had a settled defence. And everybody know, as they used to say in Molesworth, Jonathan, any yes. any fool know. Indeed. How do how did we spell any fool know? F-O-O-L-E-N-O-W. Yes. I think that was it, wasn't it? Any fool know? Well, I think it was N- KNO, maybe. Yeah, KNO. That's right. Yeah, that's as right. any whatever, fool anyway, know. Wait with you. Hello, Star- I was a Fotherington f- Thomas, of course. You Hello, would have been Fother- You would have been Fotherington Thomas, wouldn't yes. you? I was definitely yeah, very Molesworth. Anyway, he was the girly. He used to say, "For he is a girly." For he is a girly, as oh, any fool know. Yeah. yeah. yeah so there we go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, any fool know that. You know, if you're going to have, you know, consistency, clean sheets and what have you, you, you've got to try and play the same, you know, five in defence. So I think maybe what happened, I mean, I'll ask Martin this actually, but I think what happened was that Christensen and Rudiger, uh, and of course we had Reese and Aspie at the time, did very well together. And he thought, OK, maybe this is my defence. I'll stick with that. And of course, then they have a horror show. But, you know. I can, I can, maybe that's what he's trying to do, but I, I cannot for the life of me, Martin, understand why Tamori hasn't been starting because he was superb earlier on in the season. Yeah, I agree. And I think he staked his place on Saturday. Um, I think Tamori and Christensen played together against Forrest in the third round, but I could be wrong on that. Um, I don't know. I think at some, I think the next few weeks with um, Tottenham coming up, maybe Rudiger will probably should, probably should be taken out of the team for his own good because I think he's going to be on the end of some absolutely awful abuse in that particular game. And I don't think he's covered himself in glory in certain aspects of our, our play recently. But then again, who has? No, true um, enough. Yeah, I mean, I was just shocked that we scored from a set piece. So, <laughs> well, there it is, all yeah. really. <laughs> well, I know. It takes a championship side for us to kind of earn our spurs in terms of uh, scoring in a set piece. Anyway, we've got loads more to talk about. Uh, in part two, uh, mainly Craig Pawson and VAR and 
all sorts of other stuff that I'm, I'm absolutely just don't even get me started. Uh, I'm going to have a, I'm going to be sympathetic to Pedro. Uh, and we're going to talk about Billy Gilmore and and, and well, I've been t- I'm quite chuffed with myself with this one. I think I think I shall get T-shirts printed. Frankie says, "Who remembers Frankie says? Do you remember that, Jonathan?" Um, was that um, Frankie goes to Hollywood? Very good, J.K. You were on fire tonight. Um, I don't know where that came from, Chidge. It's in somewhere I, hidden. I'm, in I'm, the I'm almost surprised. It's in my brain. Because, so. you know, if I knew Martin would know that, so I didn't ask him. I didn't expect you to know that. So there you go. No, Frankie says Billy Gilmore is a class act. Frankie says we need players in. Let's digest that after this break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Footballfancast.com Right, uh, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. Of course, it's Monday night. What else would you think it could possibly be? Uh, and I'm delighted to say I've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Whoop! And the and I'm just absolutely delighted to have Martin Wickham in the house, a very good friend of mine, a, a fellow drinker in the Cock Tavern, and uh, used to be on the benches many years ago in Putney Station. So great to have you on the show properly, Martin. Yeah, cheers. There you go. Understated as ever. Right. Uh, okay, Quick time for me to quickly plug uh, the Chelsea specials, uh, which you should all know by now. Uh, so me and... Me and Martin King have been uh, recording interviews with lots of Chelsea legends, such as Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Ron Chopper-Harris, Tommy Baldwin, John Boyle, Johnny Bumpster, Gary Chivers, Colin Pates, Paul Cannaville, and there's plenty more to come. Uh, and then we lob them all up to this place called chelseaspecial.podbean.com. And for the price of less than a cup of Costa coffee, as in 2099, you can download and listen to them. They really are... I mean, I know it's, I'm biased because I've done them, but I'll give you an example. I edited the uh, Gary Chivers one last week before we put it up, and I laughed my head off whilst I was editing it. He is, I mean, Colin, uh, Gary Chivers should be a stand-up comedian. He is absolutely hilarious, and he's got a his 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 mouth is pottier than even mine as well. It's very, very funny, very good. But they're great because they talk about you know the games they played. I mean, Gary Chivers was talking about uh, the Rotherham away, for example. Uh, the famous 6-0 defeat, if those of you remember. He talks about, um, you know, Ray Wilkins, Chopper Harris, Flunky Dunky McKenzie, as he called him. And uh, and also Je- Johan Cruyff. He played against Johan Cruyff when uh, Cruyff was at the end of his career uh, in a pre-season. I mean, just amazing stuff. And it, if, you, if you love a bit of Chelsea history, these are absolutely brilliant. And the reason we charge them is because we're paying these players uh, for their time. So we've, we've invested a lot of money in doing this. Uh, otherwise, I'd do it for free. But uh, I'm seriously out of pocket. So uh, we need to, to sell them to you. I'm sorry about that. I don't know why I'm apologising, but I feel I ought to. But uh, frankly, they're good value. Get yourselves on it. ChelseaSpecial.podbean.com uh, You can follow uh, us on Twitter at Chelsea underscore special. And there's a website too, ChelseaSpecial.com and of course, Facebook. Uh, the Chelsea special. So there you go. Get on it, people. Right. Um, enough of all of that. Uh, back to uh, back to the football, as uh, they say uh, on proper radio shows. Uh, not that I would know. I'm not really on any. But anyway, um, first thing first, Jonathan. Got to have a moan about Craig Pawson. He is absolutely rubbish. I mean, 
Goodness me. I mean, that, that um, uh, foul, supposed foul that Alonso did, he didn't even touch... I don't know who, who, who the player was. Didn't even touch him. Gives a free kick. And, and then I have to say, I mean, everybody moaning at Kovacic. I thought that was really unlucky. That, that shit can happen. No blame on him or Caballero. And then, of course, it's a different game for the last 10 minutes. And we're all hanging on for grim life. But it's all down to that idiot Greg, Craig Pawson, mate. Well, I was looking at his positioning. And... Uh, he wasn't the angle he was at. All he saw was the um, was Alonso um, lunging and then the bloke falling over. And that's why he gave it. Now, once again, um, he should be working with the linesman. But once again, uh, the linesman defers to the referee. So once again, he has his own little decision, which is completely wrong. And uh, as I think, as you said, VAR is made for people like him because he is um, uh, incompetent and uh, there should be some kind of way of getting incompetence to be rewarded so that they get they stuck should, in lower lower they divisions. Be, they should be put periods. in the stocks, mate. Yeah, yeah, but they uh, on a, but on a, no, on a on a on a less um, uh, amusing level, they should be uh, they should have a point system and and the the assessor should say, sorry, mate, it's not good enough. You're now down two divisions. And th- there should be competition. It's the fact there's no competition. It's all self-serving. They're always the same blokes doing it. Um, they uh, they obviously get advice for their assessment um, by somebody like Martin Allen, for example, who we met the other day, who is a football referee's assessor, which I think is just maintaining the whole club setup. You need somebody who isn't part of the football league, who's looking at it from a, or really hasn't played football before, I think, who's looking at it in terms of, uh, are they near enough to the game? Um, they may be running the diagonal, which is what they're supposed to do, but they need to actually uh, be in touch with the linesman. And the linesman, they've got no excuse when there's no VAR. They're, they're, all the, the laws are there for them to apply rather than just offside or ball in and out of play. So there should be uh, um, there should be a connection between all of them. And it's not. There isn't. And he just struts about making decisions as he feels are correct and gets a major decision wrong. And they score from it. And they could have, therefore, the whole the whole tenor of the game is altered because of his complete and utter stupidity, because he's not conversing with anybody else um, running the line. And I just you just after a bit. Yeah, it is so consistently awful that uh, and I don't know how you change it. You, they've just got to stop with these old faces who aren't up with the game, who just are absolutely convinced of their own um uh, own abilities when they're they're floor-ridden beyond belief. It is just uh, it's ludicrous. And that's one aspect of VAR that I like is that idiocy like that is can be overturned. But some of the people doing the VAR are as idiotic as the as the the referees themselves because they're the same referees. So uh, you know I don't know how you overhaul it. I'm afraid. Martin, I mean, you know, I actually, I think I tweeted it out that VAR was invented for referees like Craig Pawson because, you know, he, he's so clearly, obviously appalling that uh, that you can correct that. But I, I fear Jonathan's right that the idiots in Stockley Park are even worse, aren't they? They're one and the same. They're two cheeks of the same arse. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, and, you know, Craig Paulson is basically a walking, talking, clear and obvious error. Um, first thing to point out, VAR wouldn't have overturned that decision in any case. And his and why not? Be, I don't think because it was a free kick rather than a, pen, a offside and during a goal build-up. They tend not to. They don't tend to do anything like 
thing overturn free kick decisions. And more pertinently in this case, there was no fucking VAR in place yeah, because it was in a non-Premier League ground. So if the game goes to a replay, VAR's in place at Stamford Bridge. It's not in the first game. That is just knackers the competitive balance of the whole tournament and is a mockery of the whole thing. You either have it for all games or you have it for no games. And the fact that um, the KCOM Stadium, whatever it calls itself these days, it was a Premier League ground not so long ago. It's got the facilities for VAR. So this whole idea of not having it in the stadium when they definitely had the facilities for it is just a joke. Mm, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, spot on. Right, uh, Pedro, we kind of mentioned him in dispatches uh, earlier in part one. And uh, I've I've entitled this, Jonathan, I'm, I'm feeling very Shakespearean and William Blake-esque tonight, as you can tell. But uh, alas, poor Pedro, we knew him well. I have to say, I watched his performance on Saturday and, I, and it filled me with complete sadness because he is just a shell of the player he once was because he was a wonderful player. Uh, before he came to us, I think he's been very, very good for us. I mean, he's he on his own. He's won more trophies than most most Premier League clubs have. I mean, it's astonishing his trophy haul, uh, and he's an amazing chap, and I love him. And it, it just it's really sad to see him being so poor. Well, he missed two obvious chances, didn't he? He had that dink against the net when he should. The old Pedro would have scored, and the other one when he dragged it wide. And he's involved in some of the the moves, but he did another couple of of moves where he flipped the ball to no one. And the the problem is is, is that football now isn't about giving the ball away. And you do a fancy flick. And it, if it comes off, well, all to the well and good. If it doesn't, the opposition have got the ball. And uh, he, he just looks off the pace and stuff he tries. You think, oh, yeah, well, that would have probably worked a couple of years ago. But it's not happening now. So, uh, but I, as somebody, because I, I tweeted that I thought, you know, can we just stop this and stop having him? Because it's 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 making me sad watching him. And somebody said he's going to be hanging around because um, there isn't anybody to replace him. And you think, well, yeah, if we get four days to go in the window, and if uh, if no uh, no other players are bought from his position, he'll be there till the summer. Yeah, well, Simon Johnson wrote earlier today about how he th- it may be best for both parties if he does move on that there are teams interested in him that. New American was, team that David Beckham into Miami. That's that the one. one yeah, into Miami. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're reportedly interested in, but they were so supposedly interested in Aguero and David Silva. I mean, there was, <laughs> yes, there was also a. Um, he had that. Remember, was he, a couple of seasons ago against Everton, where he like kind of ran around his own penalty area. Like his brain had just stopped working. Oh, yes. He looked yeah, like he, a, he looked like a terrier, didn't he? Yeah, well, he looked like a, ter- a lost terrier. You know, he That's just right. looked around. His, terrier. Own, his owner had gone missing on him, and that happened like that happened last Saturday. We were just like running around the pentagon. What the hell's happened here? So there was that, and I think he, the saddest thing is he knows he's way off his yeah. form of balance. It's sad, and isn't he looked. It to he see. just looked frustrated when he got hooked at the end for Lamptey. Look, he knew that maybe his last game, and we speculated on that a couple of weeks ago as well, but I think he's he's out of contract at the end of the season. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, he kind of waved yeah. bye-bye in the Forest game. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah. I don't think he expected to possibly still be here. I mean, look, by my reckoning, chaps, uh, there's at least six players who really 
should be shown the door at the moment that you know that they they've you know they're at the end of their Chelsea careers period I mean one of them is actually two of them are possibly surprising but Pedro certainly Giroud certainly uh, and then arguably Alonso uh, Emerson Batshuayi and Barkley now you know the squad's thin already and that's six players that you that you really you know just aren't really serving much of a purpose or able to at the moment. I think that gives you, Jonathan, an idea of the scale of the rebuild that that you know we need to do at this club, and I'm, and that's not not forgetting people like bloody um, Bakayoko and uh, Zappa Costa, and dare I say Drinkwater, who are still on the books. It's quite phenomenal how appalling our. Hang on a minute. It's yeah. quite phenomenal how appalling our transfer record has been in the last five years and there was a huge task to correct that I think don't you um well yes and I, I was under the impression that the the kids would would correct that and we'd just be seeing nothing but kids playing um which I'd have been quite happy with and then I'd have been happy with the 10th um finish um but it's the fact that we're having to play with some of these these uh, more experienced players who are, are letting the, ki- the kids down well I- the the irony is is that for games like uh, the game against Hull, you know, what we would normally be saying season in, season out is, oh, you know, it's a good game to play the kids in. Let's bring all the kids in. Of course, we've been playing the kids all season, so yeah, let's, yeah. let's bring all the old useless ones back in. Well, let's bring it's bizarre, isn't it? In. Let's bring, you know, Lamptey and uh, Matson and... Uh, yeah, um, maybe. Who almost got, they almost got on. He put Gilmore on and we've been debating how, how interesting a, uh, a player he is. Now, I'd like to ask a question, if anyone knows the answer. Is Morata still on loan? I mean, yes. if they get, um, if he is, well, therefore, if they get uh, um, Cavani, I know that um, um, Costa's injured, isn't he? That's why they want Cavani. Would we then get Morata back, forced upon us? I don't, think, I don't think so. I think Morata would be the stay number one striker over there. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And I think so that, that, that is definitely best number for one, both parties. Yeah, well, of yeah. course, of course, yeah. of course, it would be completely, yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, no, I, I'm... I'm um, uh, I'm 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 bemused that we haven't made. Um, we're going to talk about the signings, but I am bewildered as to what's been going on. And I, I to be um, the board are now becoming attacked on Twitter, as you'd expect, because nothing, no one's been signed. But one has to appreciate how difficult it is to get players in who fit a system, who a don't want to come, b their agents just constantly increase the 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 fee and then they want grotesque wages and so it, and frank i think wants very specific players he's not going to buy as we've established he's got to stop asking for messi and ronaldo mate i keep no, telling I know. you I, i'm not suggesting that i'm just no, suggesting no, it was a joke it was a joke Oh, sorry, Chidge. I, I, somehow my, my sense of humour button was, was, well, was missing. Well, I, I think on this topic it's understandable. But I, I think that, um, um, you know, I don't think we're going to go down a route of, you know, drink water, Zappacosta and Bakayoko again, because th- those signings were a consequence of Conte going mad. Um, and uh, <laughs> and that's, a, that's the technical term for it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> sulking and wanting to leave the club and wanting to sign three players all over all all 32 and all who wanted 250,000 a week and two year contracts which was never going to happen but he wasn't about so the club were misguided but i don't i honestly don't think the board and i don't think frank's statement said the the board need to get on with it i think he was saying yes we need to sign people but he but because of check check is this this difference check is a 
um, a conduit between the board and Frank. And uh, and I think they're all discussing all the time who they want. It's just who's available. It's a very difficult period to sign anybody. Um, and um, unless they offer over the odds and, uh, and a huge wage and the agent they're dealing with agrees to it, I think that it, it's tricky for them to remake the team, I'm afraid. Mm. I mean, you know, I think I think one of the things that one can glean from uh, Frank's post-match comments, Martin, if one reads between the lines, and I mean, you know, you can you can you can maybe interpret it as a dig if you like, but I think he's just stating the fucking obvious. You know, we need players in. The squad is not big enough, and there's a lot of it that's not good enough. And if you're expected to compete on all fronts and challenge for things, and not not just accept that you're going to be tenth this year, as I think a lot of us you know, have kind of gotten over, if you see what I mean, then you need to make additions. But I agree with what Jonathan's saying, is that we can't make the same mistakes that we've been making for the last five years and just get any old player in, because they fi- you find out within about six months that they're rubbish anyway. So what's the point? We're in a, it's a really difficult situation, I think. But I think fair fair play to Frank for, for stating and stating it, to be honest. Yeah, I think, well, I think our last three permanent managers have stated it in differing ways, um, Jose Mourinho, Conte, and to a lesser extent, Sarri were pointing out the same things. Lampard's maybe doing it in his in native language has helped to made it a little bit more clear to us on the TV. And there's no ambiguity there, but he's repeating the same points we've been saying about our, the transfer policy at Chelsea for the last few years. Where the use of the kids, where we were banned, where it does help is in theory. We can, if those players are bedded in as part of the first team squad, rather than spending thirty million on drink water and other dross, you can maybe concentrate that money and buy it on genuine star players. But January is absolutely the worst time to even attempt it. Although saying that, we've seen Halland go to uh, Borussia Dortmund from Salzburg. So if the will is there, a deal can be done. But um, also, I think. It's been alluded to with the money coming in from the television contracts, certainly applying to the Premier League clubs. There's no longer the need to sell players. They don't need to. They can hold on to them and just play them. If they get a eye-watering offer, take it. But they no longer need to sell on a, you know, the minimum fee anymore. And I think we're struggling with that still, which is surprising, to be quite honest. Well, I mean, you know, the market is what the market is, isn't it? And and uh, you know, I, I it. I mean, something I heard over the over the last week from a pretty good source at the club is that, you know, that the, the market is different now. If clubs don't want to sell, they don't have to sell. And if they if, if, if you want to try and buy a player, they'll just come out, you know, they'll just ask for stupid money, which therefore just makes no no sense. And the clubs just I think our club refuses to be mugged off in the way that it used to be. So if there's no value there. They're not going to buy it. But you know, something has to give here because, you know, I agree that we can't or just shouldn't buy any old ropey players just to get bodies in. That's just nuts. But if we don't get any players in in this transfer window, and there's a there's a there's a distinct possibility that that might be the case, then we are still left for the you know the remaining third of the season where we're trying to get into top four. We're trying to do as well as we can in the Champions League. We're still in the FA Cup, um, and we've already identified at least six players who just probably are not good enough. It's going to make it really really difficult now. I want to know where, you know, given that, you know, our expectations uh, 
at the beginning of the season were not high and then they changed because we did quite well. I'm very curious to know where the club sits within this and if they if they're prepared to be okay whatever happens this season happens this season we need we need to work towards getting good people in in the summer. I when I just wonder if 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 they're going to hold hold fast to that Jonathan. Because if not it's going to be really unfair on Frank I think. Well it does seem bizarre isn't it if we've got we've we're no longer uh, involved in the in the shenanigans over the transfer ban and that we don't buy anybody we might as well have still been in the ban um so um but uh, remember bruce buck the other day said we're definitely making a big purchase he said that before the press conference and because then frank said oh well thanks for that you put me right in it do you remember that that was only last week that was last friday so perhaps there's a major signing and they're just dotting the i's and crossing the t's you know i'm 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 hoping um, at least one, I think, would not a question of placating the fans because they don't really care about that. They're after business and obviously they don't want to get ripped off. But uh, it needs to be somebody that really works in Frank's system. And perhaps they're being offered um, the, the players that Frank wants aren't available and they're being offered completely inappropriate people. That may be one of the problems. Well, the one yeah. that so they're up- saying we don't want to buy these rubbish people this season. Therefore, we won't buy anybody. Well, there was one that came up this evening from AC Milan, who yeah. looked like the uh, Christoph Piontek, who I think is Polish for panic boy. Yeah, yeah. But I think that was, but that was, um, that's looked like an invention to me. I'm afraid I wrote on Twitter, "This is utter bollocks, isn't it?" You do that because... with most transfer rumours, in fairness. <laughs> but this one, this one did actually get reported by a journalist who actually yes. looks like they can construct well, proper but, sentences. Uh, but yeah, whether it actually happens is another got... matter. He's still my favourite journalist that way because I just think they're. I, I think it's lazy stuff. Lots of the stuff that they 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 look at Twitter and they look at what's going on and they think I'll have a punt with this one. And if they're right with one of them, they can go, yeah, that's it, great way. Well, no, I was the one who said he was going to go. And you think, well, you've you've I've seen you suggest thirty different people. So you know, if one of them works, you know, he spends more time rowing with people on Twitter. So I don't think he gets the chance to read the rumours. <laughs> he does. You're right. Yeah, Miguel Delaney. I mean, look. You know, the reality of it is, is that 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 we are in a in a very difficult situation. You know, we, I, I mean, who knows? You know, I, I would have thought that even with the transfer ban, there was nothing to, to stop the club. You know. Uh, at least investigating potential targets. Uh, obviously, they're not allowed to tap people up, but you know they could have been investigating it, so they could have been ready to strike. Now, I don't know. I don't run the club, so I don't know. But it's it's a very very difficult situation, I think. And and the reality is, I don't think it's going to be sorted out now. And actually, the bigger reality, and something I think that we all need to be very cognizant of, is that it's going to take a lot more than one bloody transfer window to sort out the mess of the transfers that we've had for the last five years, I think. I mean, to, to actually expand this out, I think the biggest problem that we've got at the moment, um, you know, and I mean, it, it's possibly disingenuous to compare the side to uh, the side of the, you know, kind of Mourinho Mark 1, because we were spending money like it was going out of fashion. But what, 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 what defines a great side, in my opinion, is the spine of the team. You get that right, Everything else will follow. So goalkeeper, centre-back, central midfielder, striker. Sort that out, the rest will follow. And I don't think we have a good enough spine, and I think that's where we really need to look at. I don't know what you think about that, JK. Well, um, I think they need to get somebody in to put pressure, do something with Kepa, um, because uh, 
uh, he isn't the finished article. Um, uh, it may be that they can improve him, but I'm I'm of this theory that they should rather than have um, Willie in as a possibility, who I'm afraid um, reminded me after his first flap when the ball came over that he's definitely not uh, first team material. Um, that uh, they should get somebody who could be in a position to uh, to challenge Kepper. So they don't get somebody who's a known reserve. They get somebody who's, you know, pretty up and coming, as other clubs seem to have. You just see there seems to be a um, the number two is is frequently somebody who, when he plays in the first team, you think oh, they're a pretty good goalkeeper. And I think they need to get somebody like that in. Um, uh, there was a, a rumor that it was going to be Shea Given just to coach him, but I think that's um, that's disappeared. Um, and. Uh, he's got to make a decision as to who his best centre-halves are. And I think we've established that, that Reese James, who unfortunately got injured um, just when it was apparent that he was clearly first choice because he's fabulous and has wonderful potential, he got injured. So we've gone back to playing Dave and Emerson. I'm afraid Emerson hasn't been playing very well. And uh, um, and my knowledge is that, as I've said before, is that um, uh, Frank doesn't rate Alonso and Alonso can only seems to be able to play um, in uh, when we've got when we're playing uh, th- uh, th- three at the back, three uh, with wing backs. So, um, I mean, ultimately, uh, I, I think the whole lot needs to be the there needs to be. Well, do you need to strengthen by getting a, another centre half who is wonderfully experienced and uh, and a big dominant presence to tell everybody what to do? And would that work? within the framework of the club. You know, can you get somebody in like that to then start ordering people around? I'm not convinced that that fits the dynamic of the changing room. It's a very delicate setup, isn't it? I think I think if you said, right, Rhys James is in, that's it. He's the player there. They then need a fullback. And said, say you came up with, right, Christensen and Tamori for the rest of the season and possibly a new goalkeeper. I think we're working towards a spine there for me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Martin, about my spine idea? Yeah, I think it's fundamental to every great team. You see it with Liverpool now. You look through the middle of their team and it's just... Alisson Allison and uh, Van, Van Dyke being the yeah. last two additions. To, I mean, Henderson or or, or Fabinho, you could yeah. argue. Yeah, Wijnaldum. But, yeah, yeah, you know, and then Salah sort of, up front, Fabinho. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what they focused on, wasn't it? It was to get that spine right. Yeah, well, they signed Van Dyke in January and just yeah. paid the money for him. And it's a, it was a transformative sign. And look where they are now. Um, if I'd be slightly worried if someone coming in to order people around disrupted a dressing room because that would um, make me very concerned that there are a load of snowflakes in there. You need someone on pitch to be absolutely dishing out bollockings and praise as appropriate. Otherwise, things don't get done. You know, it's noticeable that when... The minute John Terry left the club, our defence looks like a complete shambles at times. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, I mean, this is what I can't gauge. I mean, I did, I did watch the the, the you know the post match presser and then had a think about it afterwards. And I mean, one thing I'm really convinced of um, uh, is that you know Frank and Jody, unlike any other managers we've had. Will will fundamentally have the best interests of the players and the club at heart. I, I I mean it might be naive of me, but I really do believe that. And I wonder, therefore, 
you know that that should help but i do i do wonder uh you know, there's a side to me, and in fact, there's a, the Steve. Steve, who's uh, he's in here tonight as tour house, was saying this on tw- Twitter last night. I mean, he was kind of saying that Frank's fearful of his job, thinking he needs to win the FA Cup to keep it. I mean, I'm not. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe that is the case, but uh, you know, I, I would be worried if that was the case. Although, of course, this is elite football, and you know, Frank said as much himself, didn't he, at the beginning of the season, Jonathan? But there's such an opportunity here to have a manager who will do the best for the club rather than th- thinking of his own flaming ego. It, you know, they need to handle this carefully, don't they? But I don't think they'll have told him you need to win a trophy by the end of the season. Do you think that's that's probable? I don't think it is. I don't think the pressure well, is on him. To we we don't know, is the honest answer. No, I mean, I, I hope and presume not, but you never know with this club. They're bonkers, aren't they? Well, once again, I think if Czech's there, perhaps he's a, um, a softening presence. So, uh, I, but I can't believe that, Jidge. I can't with the knowing we had the transfer ban and knowing he's bringing the youth in as required. Um, I mean, the, the problem is, is we see that to make three interesting, expensive purchases would probably make the team into uh, a force to be reckoned with. But it's a question of when that's going to happen. And, well, I think it's going they, to take will time. They hang about, you know, for for uh, for Frank. Will they or will they say, okay, it hasn't worked with you, Frank? We're going to try this next season with another manager. I, I think, don't the, think they will. I don't think they will. I think the bottom line is they, need, you know, they need to give Frank three years and, and 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 at least two big transfer windows and really try and build something because I think this we won't get this opportunity again. And I think if it if this fails with Frank and Jody, we are back to Groundhog Day. Now, okay, you could say, well, okay, we'll be winning trophies every year, yip de doo. But I just think that what we've got here, Martin, is so unique and special. We would be absolutely stupid to norse it up. Absolutely. Changing the manager doesn't guarantee a trophy. And from Although the, it has done. It has done for us. I, That's the it thing. Ha, it has, but I, I think there's a change in the water there. And I also think if they were to dispose of Lampard services prematurely, I think it would be a PR disaster for the club because Frank is fairly well connected in the media, which I think has allowed him maybe a little less criticism than other managers in the position may have got. Thing. But also, rightly so, I think, because he's yeah. he's fantastic on camera. He's really. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he, spe- he speaks well. No, there's no question yeah. about that. But obviously, Roy Keane a couple of weeks ago, when he was comparing it with them, um, are they going to Solskjaer getting stick? It's quite amusing because his voice got more Irish the more angry he got. <laughs> and then, um, but he did have a the germ of a point where I think in some quarters he has been allowed a little bit more of a free ride with the media than other if. We had, if say Sari had stayed on and the Juventus job hadn't come up, and he had worked under the same restrictions, I think he would have not been given the same leeway. But that's maybe that's just me being a bit um, looking for a conspiracy theory somewhere. Mm. Okay, right. Well, look, final point in this part, uh, very quickly. Uh, you know, Billy uh, uh, Billy Gilmore came on, uh, who's diminutive in size, but he's a, you know he just like reminds me of. Uh, a bit like Billy Bremner, actually, uh, Jonathan. You know, he was a he was a midget, but he was feisty and hard and, as nails. Scottish, Scottish, exactly, Scottish and uh, Scottish. But uh, a brilliant player, and and Billy Gilmore's weenie. But I tell you, he's ferocious and a bloody good player. Does not give the ball away. And it was really good to see Frank saying he thought he was the best player on the pitch. That he's clearly class. Um, let's let's hope he gets a few more games. But I think that midfield so you know congested. We've got we've got quite a, 
a good few players in there, haven't we, Martin? Yeah, I mean, I think the contrast with him and between him and Barkley was stark on Saturday. Yeah, he just was. Yeah, he was just able to. You know, this guy looks like he should be one of the fucking mascots, and he's able to keep the ball with ease. And Barkley was just completely. Well, he'd like get the ball, have an idea to do something, and his feet did the opposite. It was very bit sad to see, but yeah, Gil. I've got a lot of time for Gilmore. Um, well, I thought he might get loaned out in this window because I thought he, I thought he may have gone to Swansea, but um, who knows? I mean, if he gets a few, he gets a few more games, especially in the towards the end of the season against against some of the um, lower ranked opposition. I think it will be important for his development because there's. There's a hell of a player there. Mm, indeed. Jonathan, anything to add on that? Uh, no, I agree completely. Um, it, it, but it, that aspect of it is a dilemma, isn't it? All these, all the youth um, look extremely promising. And if Frank's going to give him a go, you think, well, it's, it, could he clear out these six experienced players and then put even more youth in? And how would that transpire? I mean, I'm... I'm uh, they seem to have an em- embarrassment of riches when it comes to um, youth players coming, uh, possibly getting into the first team. And the, the um, who is it? Um, Connor, what's his name? Who's just gone Gallagher. to Swansea? Connor Gallagher. Gallagher is clearly a, a, a player for the future as well. So um, I, I, the balance is very difficult. I, I'm, I'm, uh, you wonder whether the board are perhaps thinking. Could we get away with not buying anybody? Uh, we've got all this this lot coming through, um, but it, it 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 just strikes me that there isn't, as we've been saying, there isn't enough. Um, the, the the top players they need about two or three top players to make this into a a top team, and I think you could then play even more youth if necessary. It just needs to be cemented. Can I just say I thought Kovacic was was great in the first half against Hull. And I think that creates a kind of dilemma, really, because um, uh, how do you play Kovacic, Jorginho and, and Kante together when Kante's and, not and, playing well, well and enough? Mount. And, and Mount. And Mount. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah, something we've talked about in great deal. I'm going to leave, leave you with uh, uh, one, one interesting thought, by the way, which uh, I did a bit of work for for the weekend. Um, in uh, How many youth players, uh, Martin, do you think Chelsea had in the 1970 FA Cup winning side. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, name them. Oh bloody hell! Hang on a minute. Uh, right. Oh my lord. I'll tell you what. Just just guess how many first. Eight. I'm going to try. All right. Martin says eight. Jonathan. Um, Harris. Yep. Uh, Bernetti. Yep. Um, uh, Osgood. Yep. Uh, Baldwin came from Arsenal. Um, Hinton came from Charlton. Uh, Hausman was signed. Uh, Hausman was youth. Oh, he was youth, was he? Oh. Okay. One okay. more. Um, uh, you, but look, Cook came from Dundee. Um, H- Hutchinson? Uh, nope. Hutchinson was signed, was signed from Wickham, Wickham or somebody yep. like that, if I remember. Okay. Um, One more. I know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, help, help. You know him really well. Um, I know him well. Um, Hudson wasn't playing, he was injured, he was youth. Um, he uh, often frequents your box in the nicest possible oh, way. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, you're Johnny Holland. There you go. 
That's it. Well, they had five. How many uh, youth players will Chelsea have in the team when they win the FA Cup on the 50th anniversary this year? Well, of course, the answer is five. Right? Tamori, Mount, Abraham, James. One more. Who's the other one? Who have I forgotten? Hudson Odoi. There we go. Wonderful symmetry, possibly. Let's hope. Anyway, we're going to move on because uh, in, in a minute we're going to uh, talk about the uh, the horrible Arsenal match from last Tuesday. Before we do that, I'm going to give my usual uh, plug. This will probably annoy Martin. I don't know. He'll tell me when we're off air. But uh, we do have a Patreon account, which, of course, allows, uh, you know, basically provides funds to pay me back for the huge amount of money I spent on this flaming show. Um, it's also a good idea. It's good, good. Well, I keep Martin. You see, I, you know, this is you're, you're kind of new to this in a sense, so you could tell me some ideas about what we could do for these people. In fact, actually, interestingly enough, in, in some vain attempt to provide, uh, you know, special content, uh, when I'm when I'm watching the match, particularly at home when I'm on the TV, I sit there writing lots of notes uh, about it. Sometimes they're quite funny because they get quite sweary. And I thought I'd share them with the Patreon uh, members. And, and one or two of them quite enjoyed them, actually, and thought they were quite funny. But I thought it'd be quite fun, because they do tend to form the basis of, of the shows that we do next. So, um, you know, more ideas like that. And, of course, Jonathan and I, I'm, I'm trying to think of ways where we could put our little post-match videos up there just for the Patreon people, you know. As long you as know. you don't film yourself watching the game, it's fine by me. Mate, I, 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 mate we, I wouldn't do that anyway. I'm too busy <laughs> watching the flaming game. Why would I do that? You know, so no, no, Jonathan, I, I kind of pop over to where he sits and have a cup of tea. And, uh, you know, we record some nonsense for a couple of minutes and he, he just puts it up on, on Twitter. But I think we should just put it up on Patreon. Anyway, we are thinking about it. We're having ideas. I know you've got your Kerry Dixon banners and that's kept you quiet. But if you do want to, and by the way, we've had a few new people this week. So uh, you know who you are. I won't name and shame you, but uh, thank you very much. It's much appreciated for the new Patreon members. And of course, you too can do that. It's at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast is also a good way to get in touch with me because I don't get bombarded with stuff on there, so I tend to respond quicker. Anyway, uh, we're going to have a quick break and then we're going to be talking about the Arsenal match, as I said. See you in a minute. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. 
I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with the lovely Martin Wickham. Hello. And the uh, refreshed Jonathan Kidd. Buonasera. Oh, you're doing a Marco. I like it. All right. Uh, now, before we go, talking to Marco, actually, um, of course, Marco's uh, been writing for CFC UK forever. Uh, and, of course, man's the CFC UK stall. And if you want to get the best fanzine in the world, it's easy to do. Just get it from any of the sellers on a match day, home or away. Just listen to only a pound. Hurry up and you'll find it. Uh, and, of course, you, know, you can get it from the stall opposite Fulham Broadway. And, of course, you can subscribe to it. If you can't get it in person, by going to cfcuk.net. And I believe you can also get a hard copy in the USA. So if you follow at cfcukusa, you will find out how to do that. But I commend it to you. It's brilliant. Uh, right. Now, on with uh, the football. And it would have been. Rem- and I know we did this a bit on Friday. Um, even I joined in via Skype to the Love Sports Show. You'd be delighted to know it'll be, it'll be me and Jonathan this week. And I will be in the studio. So there oh, you go. Good. Uh, uh, so, anyway, we did talk about this a little bit on Friday, but I thought I'd pick out the best bits, if you like. So, um, And as, as we didn't have Martin on last Friday's show, Jonathan, I'll ask Martin first, but it was definitely a draw that felt like a loss, wasn't it? It was absolutely fucking infuriating. Um, I cannot stand Arsenal anyway, the general smugness that surrounds that club. So letting them off the hook under such circumstances when they were down to 10 men, we've taken the lead twice, it was... Awful. I mean, I was at Newcastle and we got we lost in stoppage time there. That two-all draw frustrated me far more. I think whether it was circumstances, the fact that it was a midweek and a rubbish kickoff time, the fact that it was bloody Arsenal, it was just awful. And I know we're going to talk about it later on, but the circumstances behind that equaliser absolutely boiled my piss. Something wrong. <laughs> just it was just rank. I've. I've <laughs> It was, I might as well get into it now. I mean, the circumstances behind it, they knew Abraham was on one leg and between them just couldn't clear the ball. Even just to break play up for two minutes, get him whatever treatment, even if that's not effective, it allows them to reorganise. For whatever reason, they were just trying to play out the back. It was senseless. Martin, also, that you have to blame the referee as well, who every single time an Arsenal player went down, blew the whistle, no matter what the circumstances yeah of the game. In fact, we were in a very good position attacking once and he blew the whistle and whoever it was, I think it was Mustafi, got up immediately. There was nothing wrong with him at all. And then when Abraham went down, um, they had a bizarre interchange where the referee waved at him and Abraham waved back. Um, And I thought, what are they doing? Just blow the whistle. 
And he didn't blow his whistle. And Abraham, because he realized nothing was going to happen, actually just confused the situation by getting up and trying yep. to play on. He should have he stayed. should never he have sh- done, the idiot. He Absolutely. should have stayed there. <laughs> and it gave yes. the referee an opportunity as if to say, oh, well, I was right. I didn't need yep. to blow my whistle. And then we had the madness of Batshuayi. Um, I, I, I said this on Friday. I, they're so... They're so um, wired to playing little triangles that they don't think in terms of just get rid of the ball because well then we can deal with Abraham or it'll take a few seconds for the ball to be returned from the crowd they mm-hmm. a, um, did a kind of lob to, to no one so Arsenal got it back and we then we then tackled one of them and then Barkley did a kind of sort of attempt to play it sideways and all of us were absolutely incandescent in the stand going for fuck's sake fucking kick it out what are you doing and that that's in the that's in the posh seats they were saying that martin you could imagine it were all was (laughs) (laughs) so but it was i absolutely agree it was it was the most idiotic shit that went on in that in that five minutes. I, I if not... eleven Sunday league players turned yeah. up with raging hangovers and did that, you'd still bollock them for it. Yeah. So there's no excuse for professional footballers. I don't care what age they are. That's yeah. not the that weren't the under fifteens we're putting out there. I think you know the bottom line is is that you know. Well, I'm going to say something mildly controversial here. Ooh. Uh, ooh. You never. Ooh. <laughs> Well, because you're right. I mean, I, it's a different, it's a different take on it that, that I'm hearing from you, really. But what you're talking about is is an utter, a complete inability of football players to think and use their brains. I think, I think, um, you know, Clive Woodward, uh, Sir Clive Woodward, as we should call him, who uh, you know was the coach when England won the Rugby World Cup in 2003. I think he put this brilliantly. But his whole ethos was think was teacup thinking clearly under pressure. So it's that ability to think on your feet, literally, of course, if you're playing football. And they absolutely didn't do that. I mean, you know, Emerson apparently uh, was supposed to be one of the defenders who stayed back or or at least not be in the penalty area, which he was for the corner which Arsenal scored from. Uh, now, OK, it was very unfortunate that Kante slipped. But, you, you, you know, you're always taught in sport, aren't you, uh, to always expect the worst things to happen no, don't just assume that it'll all be okay so then he was up against it trying to track Martinelli and I, I personally believe I said this on Love Sport didn't I Friday that he should have taken him out and taken one for the team he might have got away with a, with just a yellow card he might not have been sent off because it was a long way out but I think actually Emerson was more cul- uh, culpable for the for the equaliser because Mount if you when, when Emerson has the ball and he kicks it forward Mount's screaming at him to put it out and he basically just poop boots it upfield to an Arsenal player, and then they counterattacked, and basically that's that's the move from which they scored. So it's that inability to think. And I wonder, this is where I'm going to get controversial, and I'm going to get lots of hate mail and death threats from you know twelve year old bedwetters and keyboard warriors. But uh, we spent a lot of time last season uh, talking about the way that Sarri managed, and not just Sarri, Conte, even Mourinho to a degree, but certainly. Uh, Italian managers, they fill the footballers' heads with pre-programmed moves. They they remove deliberately their ability to think on their feet. It's all supposed to be drilled into them in terms of what they're supposed to do. And I think that's a real problem because you need your players to be able to think 
on their feet, adapt to the situation and the events that are happening in there. And I think, you know, Beltway Blue, Beltway Blue even, as just said on Mixler, uh, you know, hunt, uh, but he says, I think they're brainwashed. You know, and I think maybe there's maybe this is what the problem that Frank has. You know, we're seeing the same mistakes week in, week out. And I'm going to ask, is it Frank or the players? I think this is the problem that Frank has. It's 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 hard to get these things out of players when they have been put in by you know by several managers, and I, I feel his pain because it's just it's just bewildering, Martin. It really is. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think there is a degree to which Frank and Jody do have to take some of the blame because whatever they're saying in on the training ground and in the dressing room it isn't going sticking in their heads. I mean, we've all we've, we've been talking about them pre-program. We've also said this season how Jorginho and Kovacic have flourished a lot more because we believe that the pre-programming that was going on has isn't there anymore. So they've been a little bit more instinctive and they've played much better as a result. But I mean, just getting the ball out of play. I don't care who the manager is. That's just criminal, unforgivable in my view. Yeah, Jonathan, am I being controversial or do I have a point? I think it's what I hinted at earlier on. Actually, I said that they're they're wired. They're they're wired to playing triangles. Yeah, and so they're not thinking about. Um... They're living in a Toblerone world, mate. Oh, mate! Wow. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> I want chocolate. With triangular football, with triangular footballers playing triangular passes and driving me up the triangular fucking wall. Anyway, enough. That didn't make the song. <laughs> no, no, they should have had that version. It'd be better. It is all very frustrating, and you know, it is. It's the same mistakes every week. I, Frank must be doing his nut because, I mean, if ever there was the embodiment of a player who could think on his feet. Uh, and adapt to what was going on around him. It was Frank. I mean, his game awareness and, and game management was... That's one of the reasons why he was one of the best players that, in the world for for the period that he was, you know. It must absolutely drive him up the wall. Um, going back up, if you see what I mean, I mean, you know, we've been coating off the, defend, the defending there, which I, I, I think is personally the, the real issue. I know everybody's focusing on the attack, Martin, but... Uh, and I agree, we're missing just a horrendous amount of uh, chances. I mean, this whole expected goals thing, which, of course, on principle, I hate because it's a, t- a statistic. But it is quite a, a valid and useful one. And we are creating as many chances as the top sides, and we're just failing to put them away. But the reality is we are still scoring goals. If we could bloody defend, we'd still be winning matches, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, I, I, I do also think that had, had Luiz not been sent off, I reckon we could have put two or three on them. Because yes, they only yeah. they only defend started defending as a pack when they went down to ten because Arteta's dropped a load of them back. I think put Xhaka in centre back back alongside Mustafi and we were all laughing about Ozil being the holding player at one point. But they became more compact and made it more difficult for us to break them down. I mean, we kept getting all these corners and I've just write them off now because we're very rarely score from them at the moment. I mean, Abraham missed a header, which is it, a degree either side and it's going in it's happened once too many times but yeah I, I think it's again it's similar to Hull the first 20 minutes we've created loads of chances but not fully profited that said you know, the cheer when Lewis <clears throat> got sent off was very amusing Kind of made it worth it, really, didn't it? I have to say, I well, laughed so hard. <laughs> well, I know. But it's, I'm really glad you said that point, because this is a point that I made on Friday night show. And everybody, I, as I recall, Jonathan, although, you know, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, I was somewhat poo-pooed for saying 
that uh, actually what happened was that Arsenal, when when Louise got sent off, defended with two banks of four, and it became you, you, like all the rest of the home matches you for us. Only because I just said it. <laughs> well, I should have been listening then, shouldn't of I? Of course, you should have been. That was my point. I said it. I sent you at the time. Have you been listening? Because that's well, what I said, and you then well, came on and went, "Oh, you should be wearing your boots, shouldn't you?" And then you said, "What they? What happened?" Of course, is when Louise was sent off, they started defending and they were compact. And I said, "I've just said that." Uh, well, you see, as it happens, because I was on Skype, you see, and you know, you know, I wasn't listening because I got caught out not listening later in the show, didn't yes. I? Yes. Sometimes you can't you can't see what I'm up to. So I was there. I was, I was tweeting away and fanning about. And then somebody asked me a question. I said, "What was the question?" Oh, are you are you <laughs> visible then? You're on Skype, but you're in vision, are you? No, no, I'm on Skype and, and not visible. So oh, I see. I... You're right. That's what you're doing. I get you. I thought I wondered I, whether I... Paddy was having a good view of you tweeting. And uh... no, 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 no. Right, so I get, I... I get it. Yeah, no, it makes I... sense. I said at the time you you haven't been listening, Chich, have you? That's and no. you went and you went. I have. I have. I have. Well, of course. Uh, well, you know, as with all good uh, malignant narcissistic despots, you know, always lie and always deny. Yes, you know, plausible yes, okay. deniability, mate. Okay. You know, but you went slightly so- camp, so I knew you were lying. <laughs> is that is that my tell? Yes. <laughs> you, went, you went. I was. I was. I was. <laughs> Brilliant. Chidge has got a camp tell. There we go. Who knew? Uh, I'm not referring to Chell tell, by the way. He's definitely not camp, but uh, there you go. Oh, dear. I don't know where to go with that. It's just completely... That's that's, uh, that's absolutely floored me. Brilliant. Um, Okay, I know what. We've got one more thing to talk about, really, about this, which I know is something we didn't really have a chance to get into on Friday night uh, because it's mad. It's only an hour, and it absolutely whizzes past. But uh, we do have uh, three... I mean, you know, look, the reality is is that even though we drew against Arsenal, and it's it's horrible because we hate Arsenal, and, and, you know, we should have battered 10 men, let's be honest. Ya, la, 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 we all know that. But the reality is, thanks to Man United Spurs uh, in particular being absolutely awful, uh, we're still, amazingly enough, in fourth place and six points ahead of both uh, Man United and Spurs. Uh, now, there's two ways to look at this, because our next three matches... Uh, in many respects, could could go a long way to deciding uh, whether we do, in fact, finish in top four, which, of course, would be very lovely because it would enable us to, A, qualify for the Champions League next season and, B, uh, enable us to attract the kind of quality players that we need to make our uh, our club a club that can challenge for said trophies. But our next three matches are Leicester away, United at home and Spurs at home. Uh, as I said, there are two ways of looking at it. One, we win all those three. We're we're in very good shape. Alternatively, they might be tough. I don't know. What do you think, J.K.? Um, I I think I said this on Friday. Sorry to to keep harking back to Friday, but this was probably um, the bit I wasn't listening to. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's just that because all the opposition don't um, just defend and then attack us on the break. Uh, I think we do very well against opposition like that. And I agree with Martin completely that I think if, uh, as we've said, actually, is that is if we'd, um, with Arsenal, uh, Louise being uh, sent off was the worst possible thing that could have happened because we'd have scored three goals. We were so excellent and all over them. This is the problem I have with the thing, with the whole thing is we play in patches brilliantly and just don't put opposition away and then they get stronger or something happens or an incident occurs or as with Hull, they got a ludicrous referee's decision so they get a goal and it then puts the wind up us. So, um, but luckily all these teams we're playing against do not play this defensive 
way that we seem completely incapable of scoring against. You know, like the Arsenal, what was it, um, 20 corners against three. I mean, for good, and they only had two shots and scored from both of them. I mean, how they how they can be proud of that and how they can they can create almost DVDs like Spurs about it. You just think, oh, goodness, for goodness sake, kind of life. But um, but no, I think everybody we're playing um, is a is a proper team, as it were. They're going to they're going to take it to us, and I think we'll do well against them all. I'm very positive about it. I don't think we're going to. I think we'll we'll I think we'll do very well. I think we'll either draw or win nearly all of those fixtures. Well, the good the good thing the good news is is that Leicester, of course, have got the second semi final. Uh, well. against the Villa the Villa this week in the Caribou Cup. So with a bit of luck, they'll either get a spate of interest in injuries, they'll be knackered because they've had to work hard and win, hopefully going to extra time, or they'll be knackered with injuries uh, and deflated having lost in extra time on penalties. Either way, um, you know, we've got a week off and they haven't, which is good. And they have, they've, their form's been a bit hit and miss recently. I have to say, Martin, I'm a bit more worried about United, um, which sounds odd because they're absolutely dog shit. But they, they, they could actually, uh, you know, be kind of Bournemouth stroke Southampton stroke West Ham-esque uh, away. Because they did it in the Caribou Cup, didn't they? They just basically defended with 10 men behind the ball. And then hit us on the break. I could see them doing that, and I could actually see Mourinho doing that just to piss us off. So, yeah, yeah. Well, man, we have such a mental block about Man U. I mean, even before this season, when we were losing games to them, and like before and after, they've been absolutely atrocious. So, um, yeah, nothing was surprising with regards to Leicester. I think Vardy might be injured as well. However, so they say, indeed, Ian. Chilliman's are back, so the one may negate the other, and Iheanacho seems to have rediscovered how to be a footballer again, so who knows? I mean, like Jonathan said, the only thing that will work in our favour is if, well, at least one of those teams will try and play football. Whether Man U can counter-attack with Rashford injured is another point as well. I mean, how the fuck they played him with a broken back is another is beyond me. Yeah, that's quite appalling. Actually, well, that, is, that's, though, that is absolutely disgusting. I mean, yeah. we, there's a lot of talk about you've got Kane injured, Rashford injured. I mean, Abraham's picked up a knock as well. So right. this mid-season break's come, it's come too bloody late for them. They're getting the injuries before they go on the break because they're yeah, trying to... Because they're trying to on, cram on, more mate. games in before the fucking break. It's utterly oh, of course. ridiculous. Of course they have. Now, that's a good point, actually. Are we playing... I think we're playing United and Spurs after the break, aren't we? We're playing Spurs... We actually get a, a slightly more extended break. We don't play until the Monday against Man U. Then we play the early Saturday kickoff against Spurs. But, yeah, they're both after the break itself. Yeah. Well, that might do Tammy some good. I, I fear Tammy won't be starting against Leicester on Saturday, but no. who knows. I tell you what, just, just without kind of wanting to, to, to tread all over it again... Uh, no pun intended, but everybody said that Tammy injured his shin, a stroke ankle, when he hit the, uh, the the boards. But actually, what I saw on the replay, I don't know who it was, who the defender was, but they he trod on his on his Achilles, Ouch. trod on the back of his yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm wondering if it might be that. Anyway, who knows? And where that, was VAR then? Oh, you know, don't don't even go there, mate. I've just been watching the most. You- ludicrous VAR check going here on the Bournemouth Arsenal game where they were Oh really? What's the score? Uh, it's 2 0 Arsenal, but the second goal they were just doing a checking for so long it just bordered on parody when they were checking. I've got money they're... on Bournemouth. This is not pleasing me. No, I didn't think it would, but Bournemouth have been absolutely <laughs> dog shit. Deserve oh, nothing. Shit. Have, they, have they put their B team in or something? I don't 
what fucking team they put in. I don't think it makes a difference. They're just piss poor at the moment. They brought that guy back who was sent off for making a brilliant save when he was playing centre-half. But apart from that, they've got nothing. Oh dear, how utterly disappointing. I, I, I mean, basically, I'm talking about my who knows wins bets. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having an absolute fucking shocker this weekend. Uh, but there we go. Uh, I, well, so I think Will's won it again. He's he's absolutely on fire. Anyway, uh, right, we're going to uh, wrap this bit up. And uh, we've got uh, loads of really good emails, actually, for you uh, after the break. Uh, several on uh, the Arsenal game, funnily enough. People very unhappy about that afterwards. So it's a, a nice little segue this week, which is why I didn't include them in the body of the, uh, of the part, uh, Jonathan. Um, anyway, before we do that, I got a lovely uh, message from Margaret Wittich. And Margaret's the... Uh, uh, I think she's with 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 Ray the chair uh, the the oh, dear me Roy the chair of the Chelsea Supporters Club, which has been going now for I think seventy one years. It's an amazing institution, but she's um, was berating me at the CSCU stall the other week because basically the club are being rubbish at publicising uh, the Chelsea under 18s matches which is very bad of them and you consider that uh, so many of our players have come from there recently uh so there we go she said if it's not too late can you plug the under 18s again uh great last time uh, the fa youth cup is on monday the 10th of february versus wolves 7 p.m at aldershot uh if they basically play in aldershot's uh, home ground so it's within uh, easy reach of many of us uh, who who live nearby, uh, and it's well worth going along. I'm not sure how much it costs to get in, but I wouldn't imagine it would cost you too much. So uh, if you want to go and support the next generation of Chelsea talent, get yourself down to Aldershot on February the 10th uh, at 7 o'clock to watch them play Wolves in the FA Youth Cup. Right, we'll be back after this break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. We are on the home straight. There you go. Uh, you're clearly delighted to hear that. Uh, but I can tell you this... Uh, Oh, I can tell you. I'm sorry, I got distracted by a message on Mixler, but I can tell you, probably not as happy as I am. I've got a message from Happy Bird, i.e., Nigel. Chidge, I've matched you on three points on uh, who knows what. Nigel, that just tells me what a horror show I've had this weekend because I think you, my friend, have been even worse than me recently. So uh, I don't know whether I should be delighted that you've matched me or, or basically horrified. I don't know, but it's always good fun, that's for sure. But I mean, it's been a stinker. I think the cup matches are really hard to predict, basically, aren't they? Which is what we've kind of said many a time. Anyway, um, as I said, it's kind of email time now. So uh, uh, presumably Jonathan got his copy of the emails. Yes. Did you? Yes. Did you? They're here. Okay, so have you got the. I think who's reading the first? One? I seem to have lost my email. Oh, I found it again. Jay you've got Pepp- the first. You've got e- the first one, haven't you? Email one. Ash Simpson. Is that far good? away? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Dear Stanford Chidge, Kidu, it's me, and Golden Goal Guest of the Week. Oh, Martin, it's you. Uh, I've been addicted to the podcast since I discovered it at the beginning of last season when I was late to the podcast scene. I'm you can su- get help for that, by the way, Ash, for that addiction. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've supported Chelsea since I was eight during the 93-94 season where I thought Gavin Peacock was some sort of winning goal scorer against Man United God. 
until I watched that FA Cup final. My lowest moment being a Chelsea fan was being 1-0 down at QPR away in 96 and thinking, how am I going to take the dog's abuse at school about our recent results? Until Paul Furlong scored. Oh, how times have changed. Each season, my emotion when watching Chelsea Chelsea play gets stronger and stronger. I literally bite all my nails off every game. So I, I hope when there are three in the week, I hope you don't get down to the quick, uh, Ash. Uh, the Newcastle and Arsenal game have put me in low Chelsea place. Although we're all believing we're exceeding this season's expectations, part of me dreams we're capable of doing what Man U did in the 19. 19- 95-96 season by winning with local talent. I don't think it'll be this season, but we need to make a push for next season by the Timo Werners and Jaden Sancho's in the summer, rather than by short-term fixes now, is what I say. I've always wanted to see our young talent develop into the first team, and my wishes have come true. I need you all to reassure me with this young, talented squad that sometimes we need to take a step back to move too forward. I'm trying to not get lost in the hype of Tammy being the new DDA, Mason being the new Lamps, and James being the new Branner, etc. In regards to the Arsenal game, I couldn't help but calmly tell Frank on my TV screen that N'Golo needed to come off at half-time. Jorginho and Kante can't play together. N'Golo gets pushed too far up the field. He can press fantastically, but when in possession of the ball, he doesn't release it quickly enough. This isn't an issue when in the centre of the park, but when in the final third, it stifles the attack. Frank mentions in the press that it's attack where our goal problem is, but I think it's the right mix in midfield. When we were on that run, there was no N'Golo in sight. Mason, Cover and Jorginho were linking fantastically. I'm trying to get some perspective of the season, but ever since the West Ham game, the wheels have come off. The goals have disappeared. Lampard's PR and interviews have been very positive and honest. He must be fed up of saying the same things. It's time to change something bold in midfield, in my opinion. On a final note, I wasn't quite sure of the David Luiz booing. No, it was appalling. I hated that. He was part of the dream of Munich, yet like Juan Mata was, who always gets a good reception. Absolutely. Luiz left quietly to a lesser team and at the right time. Sideshow Bob will always have a place in my Chelsea heart and my mine too, actually. Thank you for your combined effort with the podcast each week. Keep the blue flag flying high. Come on, Chelsea. Ashley Simpson, Barry St. Edmunds, Suffolk. Lovely. I agree completely about Louise. I thought the booing, booing of him was appalling. Appalling. He's, he, he, you know, he always tried his heart out and occasionally didn't get it right. But he put in some fabulous performances and obviously, especially in the Champions League final. But I thought he was uh, he was a great servant to the club, scored um, some some good goals, did some fantastic defending. I, I think booing him was absolutely out of order. So playing that Champions League final on one leg. I yeah. Think you've earned all the credit you need. Absolutely. And I'll always be a fan of, I know you're both cricket fans, but that lovely Bob Willis run-up he took up before that penalty was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, May, I, I, I forgot to talk about this on Friday, didn't we? But uh, I, I totally agree. Or is that another bit where I wasn't listening, Jonathan? Yes. It was another bit where I wasn't listening. Well, clearly I wasn't listening for the whole show. I must do better. <laughs> but... Um, but you know, it's a good advice in my opinion. Uh, but anyway, I think that's appalling. I couldn't believe it when I was hearing it on the telly. I mean, for Christ's sake, if you're so bloody, you know, snowflakey and thick-skinned as a Chelsea fan to get upset because you said nasty things about us, for fuck's sake, man up and grow a pair. You know, as Martin and Jonathan are right. The man's an absolute Chelsea legend. Anybody who played in that night in Munich, and I include Boss Winger in this. 
uh, is an absolute legend of the club. They won the champion. We might never win that again. You know, that could be the only time we win it. They are fucking legends and they need to be treated like that, even if they are a bit stupid and go to Arsenal and say silly things. People do. Um, so there we go. The, I think his point about Kante in the midfield actually is spot on, by the way, Martin. I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly thinking this is a, a problem area for us because yeah. we, you know, it, it's a bit like the defence in a funny old way. And I've been saying for a few weeks, my worry about Frank and Jody is that they don't know what their best team is and they need to, they need to start figuring this out. But the midfield's a problem because, you know, I don't think they can play some of these players together in the same team in the same way. Uh, and and and, I, and he's right. I think it might be just an anomaly, but it did appear that we seemed to link and play much better when it was Jorginho, Kovacic, and Mount in midfield than we have when Kante's been in there. Yeah, I agree. And that mistake he made on Tuesday, I think that was one of the first signs of the apocalypse, him falling over like that. Yeah, so but come on, anybody. But, it was unbelievable. Yeah, but he wasn't the only one to slip. Actually, I think a few people slipped, didn't they? Was that the whole game? I, they all merged into one for me after a <laughs> no, while. They did. You're right. There was some. Look, Abraham fell over no no apparent reason, as did Barkley. But I'm not really surprised about that. He probably had his boots on the wrong foot. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, you know, I wrote a, a very staunch defence of Kante uh, for Football London the other week, and I stick by that. And I think he is uh, genuinely our world, our one world class player. But uh, I am worried that you know collectively the midfield isn't quite working at the moment. And you know, I'm, af- I'm afraid you know that when you're the manager, you've got to make tough decisions. And I think Frank's got to make some because you know I, I I'm with Ashley on that. You know that's that's where the creativity starts. Uh, and also, of course, we don't get enough goals from midfield. He's you know, got a lot. That's the other thing. He's racked up a lot of miles on the clock as well. He's like, I think he's playing like non-stop for about three years. Played through injuries last season, and he's starting to maybe starting to pay the price now. Well, that was kind of really the basis of my defence of him, Martin. You know, is that you know this is this is what when you when you get a nasty injury and it's not treated properly or looked after or not rested properly, you then pick up all sorts of other injuries as a result. And I think that's what's happening. And I, I think the criticism of him is horribly unfair and the and the and the, the you know jump into the gun oh let's sell him let's sell him you know is is you know no let's try and find a way where it can work that's what you should do anyway great email ash uh love that right we've got one uh from uh adam uh valchak or valky uh to those who know him uh he, he he's got a brilliant website by the way uh the, the left back or something like that he says at the end anyway <clears throat> he says there's one team i despise more than others and that is arsenal their holier-than-thou stance towards football always gives the impression that they feel deserving of a trophy for playing the most beautiful football or having hosted Coldplay at their soulless stadium. I think they're the kind of team, Valky, they like the smell of their own farts, is how I would describe them. Anyway, so it was with pure anger that I stomped out of Stamford Bridge, having witnessed a match where we appeared to have wanted to allow Arsenal back into a game which we had dominated up until agent David Luiz's red card. Three examples of pure buffoonery we have in the team one one of kepper's first touches was to allow himself to be tackled just outside the box yes i remember that that was ridiculous uh two when two one up emerson decided to hoof the ball to an arsenal player this is the point that i made earlier rather than pass to a teammate standing a few yards away that led to a counter-attack and their equalizer three an injured Tammy, who was the indirect inspiration for both our goals, hobbling back to defend, which caused confusion and allowed Arsenal to glide past him and score. Did the captain or manager not feel like saying to him, stay on the halfway line so we have a lanky bloke to hoot the ball up to? Actually, thinking of that, I was reminded of um, D. 
Didier Drogba when he gave away the penalty in Munich. You know, same kind of feeling, wasn't it? What are you doing there? Making an arse of yourself fouling somebody in the penalty area. Anyway, having attended over a thousand games, I'm no tactical expert. Actually, Valky, I think that, sh- that would make you very much a tactical expert. Anyway, however, the sheer basic nature of an error-strewn match from both sides following such an exciting attacking start from the likes of Callum Hudson-Odoi leads me to wonder what exactly is going on. I thought, yeah, I thought Hudson-Odoi was fantastic, actually. He was roasting uh, their right-back Saka. Uh, we played like a team that naively thought we'd already won the match when we had a one-man advantage and were 1-0 to the good. It was also disappointing to see Tammy get on the end of some fantastic crosses and yet again head straight at the keeper. On the plus side, we actually took some great corners. Can I use you as a sort of confessional when in the depths of despair, please? Best wishes and keep up the great work. Adam Valky Valchak, the man who lures the ladies with his sexy Chelsea badge collection, <laughs> the left back, the left back.co.uk. Indeed. Of course, Valky won our um, Hyundai competition last year, but I've known, Val- known of Valky for years. And I, by the way, Valky, I'm aware that A, I haven't got our Patreon link on the website, which I need to sort out, and B, I haven't put your website, the left back .co.uk up as a, a link in, in the Our Friends section, and I promise I'll do that this week if I get some time, so there you go. Uh, I mean, I think we've, we've, we've talked about much of that, but I think we'd generally agree with that, wouldn't we, Jonathan? I'd like to ask the question of Valky, does it work luring the ladies with his sexy Chelsea badge collection? Well, there you go. He'll have to write in and tell us next week. He must, he must, because I'd also like to with, know with what, pictures. What, what are the sexy badges that they like? Well, you should you should check out his website, mate, because it is it is brilliant. I'll look way. at his website. Oh, you'll love and it. See you'll, which ones you will I love consider it. sexy, and whether I'm uh, lured by them. Yeah, well, you'll love it. I'm telling you now. Good. Email three, Alex Davidson. Hello, Chidge, kiddo, et owl. No, it's not owl. It's Martin. Suppose you're at the old Vic. Oh, yes. You're watching Sir Ian McKellen and Dame Judi Dench perform in the Scottish play. I can't say. I can't say. the. You have to say it, Chidge. What is it? No, it's the Scottish play, mate. I can't say it either. I can't say it either. Can you say it, Martin? Could you say I'm, it? I'm not an actor, so yeah, Macbeth. Oh, thank you so much. You Would should you say the Scottish it? play by the Bard. Yeah, yeah, that one, yeah, the Bard, yeah. yeah. Who's, who exactly. Bard who? <laughs> oh, very good. You're Bard, son. <laughs> Would you interp- in- interpret? Would you interrupt them if they missed a cue, mispronounced a word, or forgot a line? Well, personally, yeah, no. Would you make Jonathan your- interrupts everybody. everybody. Why would he stop for yes. that? I'd say, excuse me, Sir Ian, you've, you've, you've got the, the text wrong. Um, Oi, Macca. Would you make the audience wait for five minutes while someone off stage decides what to do next? Then would you force the cast to return to the beginning of the scene and start again? Hmm. Absolutely not. You go to live theatre to be in the moment with the actors. Now, ah, suppose you two are, are playing at the Hammersmith Palace. Uh, it's been knocked down. You, they couldn't play there. They could play at the... Um, the Great Hammers- venue, though. The, the Eventim they could be playing at. You've paid well over the odds for a ticket. That's true. What if Bono forgot a few words to Sunday Bloody Sunday? I think he does regularly. What if the Edge broke a string midway through a solo, had to switch guitars? Would VAR direct the band to start the song again after spending five minutes agonising, agonising, agonising over whether they'd performed up to code? Again, no bloody way. If you want to hear a flawless recreation of the album, listen to the CD. You go to a live music performance because it will have an element of spontaneity. 
Football is beloved by billions all over the globe because it can be one of the most scintillating forms of entertainment. At its best, it's the most wonderful combination of artistry and strength. One of the aspects that makes it special is that it's supposed to be a free-flowing game that happens in real time. VAR is destroying that. Real fans hate it. We want to see 22 players, a ref and linesman, take care of business within the white lines and on the spot. I hope this is a one-season experiment. Cheers. Alex, East Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Well, uh, my view is, unfortunately, I think VAR is here to stay, um, as was an example of watching Pawson be so rubbish. Um, see, that's the dilemma, isn't it? Once you know that VAR, well, as you said, Martin, he probably wouldn't have overturned it, but it would have been revealed as being, well, it, television revealed what a ridiculous decision it was anyway. Um, I'm a fan of VAR, Alex, so I'm not the man to answer this because I just think they're getting it wrong. But I think it's... Um, it's it's the right thing to have because we all watch on television and they're aiming for a, a huge television audience, not just the people watching the game at home. And so I'm uh, I'm really pro VAR. They just need to get better officials, um, a better way of dealing with it and sort out what on earth they're doing with it. But the whole premise of it appeals to me. Martin, what do you think? Well, um, I during the World Cup, I was in favour of it, but the execution of it since in the Premier League has yes. been not been good. But the, going back to the email, if 22 players, a ref and a linesman, were taking care of business on the pitch, then we wouldn't need VAR. The reason it became a thing was because they weren't dealing with it. They do need assistance, but it shouldn't be down to the minutiae it's at at the moment. It needs, It does need a lot of work. I think you know. I think you kind of both touched on this. My problem with it is that, is that it was definitely needed because the referees were so awful. Well, but they're twenty years to, older than the players, and they can't keep up with play. It's yeah, but, but VAR was supposed supposed to make up for the fact that we had awful referees. What it's done is it's empowered them to be more awful. That's what I can't understand. You know, it's like it's like it's like two wrongs don't make a right, guys. You know, deal with it. Um, great to hear from Alex uh, again. Uh, we've got another email from uh, Greg. I haven't heard from Greg for a while. Greg Droney says, Hello, Chidge, JK, and significant other. I think you've just been promoted, Martin. I've not been called um, that for a while. No. Uh, in light of fantasy football assessments on players, characteristics, eye skills, weight, ETC, and Callum's assessment that Ruben is our slowest player, who do you think is our slowest ever? My choice is Mickey Droy. Uh, another important question needing a studied response. See you at the cock for the Norwich game. Love, Greg and Sue Droney. Toowoomba, Australia. P.S. Thanks for your kind wishes during our bushfire crisis. Yes, I, I do hope all of our Australian listeners have not been too negatively affected by those awful fires. As I said, I, I was in Australia in 2011 and drove all the way from Melbourne to Sydney along the coastal road. So I know that's where a lot of it took a hammering. And I was absolutely mortified to see some of these beautiful places that I visited just absolutely decimated. It's absolutely awful. So I hope you guys are okay. Um, slowest Chelsea player. Yukanovic uh, is up there, Jonathan, for me. Um, he would be slowest and worst. Yeah, and, and he, most, he gets two most, categories, doesn't and he? And most irritating, and um, and the worst, and inability to kick a ball and uh, um, and trap it and control it. He would he would be the one for me as well. Um, 
Um, trying to think who else was very slow, but well, uh, Chess Chess used to run out of his backside say, towards Chess, the end, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Chess got a bit um, bit puffed, didn't he? Um, going back further, um, trying to think. Uh, uh, Tony Hakeley was a bit rubbish, but a great header of the ball. But that's going back into an era that nobody will be able to relate to. Um, I was showing off actually. Um, uh, let me think. Yeah, no, I'm sure that somebody will come to mind in a minute. Um, um, People caught a, in possession constantly. Uh, bit of a variation was them Solomon Kalou getting outpaced by possibly the slowest player I've ever seen in <laughs> Vedran Shawluka for Tottenham. So, <laughs> actually, talking of uh, that uh, Balak, and again in his last year or two, you know, I remember. I mean, I love Balak, so I won't have a bad word said against him. But I remember when he used to run, he looked, he used, he used to look like he was running backwards. You know, it was, you know, so that been a, a bit like that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, do you know what's really funny? Because, um, you know, this show I do with Paul Mortimer on Sundays, of course, he's, a, he's an ex-player, so it's quite an interesting dynamic. And he can't believe some of the things that I say. He gets quite, you know, well, just shocked, really. And I said, well, I can't tell you on air, because we were talking about abusing footballers. And actually, we were talking about abusing cricketers, because we were talking about Ben Stokes, but naturally... Well, that's that kind funny, of seg- <laughs> Well, that, naturally, that segued into abusing footballers. I said, you should hear some of the things I've said. He said, well, go on. I said, I can't tell you on air. I'll tell you in the break. And I said to him, I said, I remember, and of course, you've got to bear in mind, I've got a very, very loud voice. Uh, so when I shout something out the football, it tends to be heard and people look round. And he said, well, what did you say? I said, well, basically, Nemanja Matic was playing appallingly. And I just got up and shouted at the top of my voice, Matic, you long, lanky streak of piss. And a lot of people did look round. Paul, he was mortified. He couldn't believe it. He said, you, what? you can't say. I said, well, I did, mate. Mort- said, Mortimer was mortified. He was. I, I do say that. I know. Very good. Well, well spotted, Martin. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so there we go. I think we've given them, given Greg a, a selection to think about, haven't Joe we? But maybe Allen. Joe, Joe Allen. Yeah, yeah. Good. Ca- what about Cascarino? He wasn't very fast, was he? No, but he scored some lumbering. Good he scored he lumbering. Lum- he lumbered, didn't he? Yeah, he lumbered. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good topic for debate, Greg. So, if you look out there, uh, you, there's still a few of your mix. Actually, there's quite a lot of your mixers still, which I'm delighted to see. Uh, make a, make suggestions for the slowest Chelsea players of all time, and we will add them to the pot. Jonathan, the next email, please. It's from Brendan Mallard. Hi, Chidge, J.K. and special guest martin it's you hope you're all well and surviving our turbulent january football okay i'm just back in sydney after having spent three weeks in england and wales visiting family and friends i was also lucky enough to my first visit to stamford bridge to watch us take on burnley shout out to the gareth to the gareth from the sydney chelsea supporters club who sorted my match day ticket with the minimum of fuss and maximum efficiency sydney ciders he is your man if you're considering a trip to the bridge. So that's Gareth, okay, from the Sydney Chelsea Supporters Club. Good. Here's a snapshot of my match day experience. Here we go. Tube into Fulham from my cheap hotel in Wembley. Say no more. The first hour on arrival at the bridge was spent buying up goodies at the club shop, snapping photos of the cups in the trophy cabinet and picking up my match day ticket from the box office. So, yep. I was a proper Chelsea tourist. After spending plenty of the folding stuff, I was back out on the street looking for the Gate 17 boys. It was a pleasure to meet Marco, and he did me a good deal on four books, amongst them Liquidator, which I've been looking forward to read for some time. Next, it was onto the Cock Tavern for a few warm-up beers. I chatted with a few Chelsea-going lads whilst nursing a few ales, but alas, I didn't spot any of the Chelsea fan cast. 
crew with a, a, a sad face, um, probably in the garden. I would imagine a few of you were there, so it would have been down to me not recognising you or hearing your distinctive radio voices. Lol. I'm going to interject on that point. Uh, you, you share something with my nephew, uh, Brendan, because uh, it was his first ever match Chelsea match actually anywhere um, and I was therefore looking after him so I, I wasn't able to make it in the cock tavern before the match because I I had to pick him up from what he was doing in the morning quite late so I didn't have enough time so that's why I wasn't there I don't know who else was around I mean I did pop it I popped over to the stall for a bit so anyway so I'm sorry about that with an hour to go before kickoff it was time to push off to the bridge via a quick pit stop for a tasty kebab a quick photo of Aussie's statue then I was into the stadium walking the stairs to my seat in the Matthew Harding upper. My seat was about eight rows back, and wow, what a view, a visual delight. I felt like I was overhanging the crossbar of the goals and had a good view of our boys warming up. Once the match began, I promised myself not to take video or photos and just absorb the game. The first 30 minutes were a nervy display and the crowd seemed quite muted, but the Burnley disallowed goal seemed to be the kick in the pants the boys in blue needed. From there, it was one-way traffic and the crowd lifted their voices and I played my part and joined in when when I knew a few of the songs. Uh, Fuck VAR was an easy one to sing. (laughs) The end of the game came too quickly for my liking as I greedily wanted to see more goals but couldn't complain with the three that had been banged in by Jorginho, Tammy and Hudson-Odoi. After applauding Frank who came down to our end to thank the home support I was away into the night and off to Baker Street to meet my family for dinner. What an absolute blast. I can't wait to again visit the bridge. Please indulge me a few quick thoughts on our current squad. We appear to be lacking players with game smarts and situational awareness, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. This was glaring in our 2-2 draw against Arsenal. Why were we pushing so many players forward for corners when we were leading and not desperate for a goal? Why did we not slow the game down once we got go-ahead goal from Aspie? Kick the ball out when Tammy went down injured. Where is our defensive general marshalling our lines and barking orders? I was hoping it would be Rudiger, but we seem no better placed when he's in the team. Anyway, that aside, I'm hoping we can find some consistency over the next month and at least maintain or better still build on our six-point game over the chasing pack loving the podcast gents keep up the terrific work being a chelsea supporter many thousands of miles away the podcast and the chelsea love sports show are the voice of reason unlike the hysteria and ridiculous rants i read on social media about frank the players and the club cheers and up the chelsea brendan mallard good description brendan fantastic fantastic of going into the ground and watching the game and uh, I'm pleased that um, you thought it was a great experience. So, uh, so good for you. Brilliant, brilliant uh, impression of it. Great. He's definitely done. You know what we would recommend. I'm so sorry we weren't in the cock. It's just you know sometimes it's not. It's just not possible. Uh, uh, but there you go. Never mind. Um, and I agree with his comments. You know what, what on earth can we do? How lovely to hear these nice comments about the Love Sports Show as well as this one. Actually, that's, yeah, that's, terrific. That's, that's pleased me. Uh, there you go. Right. Um, I've got a, a monster email from Prasanth, who's been promising this one 
for a while. He says, hello, Chigi, kiddo and esteemed guest. It's interesting that you, you this is the uh, kind of the, the sixth different description of you, Martin. Of course, they didn't know it was going to be you last week because I hadn't done the schedule. <laughs> I, would, I was never have assumed it was about me. Well, there you go. Right, says, hope you're all doing well. Uh, first time writer here from sunny California. Sorry for the long email. I've been trying to gather my thoughts uh, on how to construct this, and I hope I don't let you guys down. Of course you won't, Prasanth. We're just delighted that you've finally written him. I've been listening to the pod only for the last few months. What? We've only been going 11, nearly 12 years, Prasanth, for goodness sake. Anyway, oh boy, I wish I'd been part of it much longer. The thing I feel so different about this pop from the other ones, London is Blue being one, is how Chidge Kiddo spend a lot of time talking about nonsense. No, no, he doesn't say that. He says a lot of time talking about some of the golden moments from the uh, early 60s and the 70s. I feel, I really feel I'm taken back in time and I really enjoy those discussions. Well, brilliant, actually. We, we like to, to think that that's what makes it different, too. You should listen to the Chelsea specials, Prasad. You think that you know you actually get to hear from some of the players that played in the 60s and the 70s. Anyway, growing up in India, I started following Chelsea only from 2006 onwards. Some people don't believe me when I tell them that I started watching Chelsea games when Andre Shevchenko joined us from AC Milan. In fact, I also have his jersey. Though things didn't work out for him, my love for Chelsea started growing every day from that year. So much so that I had my mum and later on my wife keep reminding me that it's just a game whenever Chelsea don't do well. I mean, I, I really hate it when people say that, actually, Prasanth. Oh, it's all right. It's just a... How do they... It's, no, it's not just a game. It's more than that. As Bill Shanky said, it's... Uh, what does he say? He said, some people think that football uh, is important. I can assure you that... I can't remember. Anyway, he said it's more important than life and death, and I agree with him. Anyway, where where was I before I went on that kind of explosive rant? Yes, it's just a game whenever Chelsea don't do well, and my mood weekend gets proportionally affected by how well Chelsea do. Now, getting on to this season, the expectations for me personally was not that high, with a transfer ban selling Eden Hazard and long-term injuries to Hudson-Odoi, Loftus-Cheek, and I told myself I would probably be happy with a top 10 finish, integrating young players and some decent football. Absolutely spot on. Initially, I was excited for Frank to come home along with Jody as I felt it was time for the kids to get their due chance. After last season's toxicity, I was hoping for a much more smoother transition, but I told myself I'm not going to judge Frank purely on emotion, but more on what he is going to do as Chelsea manager. I, for one, don't want to talk about the past or diss out Sarri. I respect him for the simple fact that he had a philosophy in mind and he wanted to implement that with a team like Chelsea, which was more of a more or less a, a, a more of a less proactive team and more of a re- reactive team. The results were not instant, but I, for one, feel that it has benefited with the way that Frank wants us to play. But to be honest, what initially started out as a transition season and top 10 finish became more like top four or bust expectation based on our early season results and other teams playing crap. I love the work that Frank has done so far, but there are some concerns and I was hoping to discuss this uh, with you guys on the pod. Here we go. What's Frank's best formation? I think what we might do is to take these one at a time, actually. What's Frank's best formation? I don't mind Frank changing it up a bit to counter opponents, but seven months into the season, we hardly seem to know what our best formation is. Is it 4-3-3-4-2-3-1, Martin? Oh, don't forget the occasional dalliances with three at the back as well. Um, Indeed. Yeah, it's not so much the formation. We've discussed it earlier. He doesn't really know. I don't think he's too sure of his best back four and his best midfield. And he's been trying to shoehorn some players in. And I think it's been less about the formation, but maybe less knowing the best team. Yeah, Jonathan? 
Um, I, th- I think he, he he tries it according to what he thinks the opposition is. I don't think um, I, I haven't found that a criticism. I quite like it if he plays four three three against some sides and um, uh, and four two three one and even three four three. I think it's it depends on who he's playing. I think that's the sign of a manager trying to to work out how the opposition play against that. So uh, I don't think that's the problem. I think exactly what Martin said. I think it's who the team is, the best side rather than the best formation. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that for me, this is what, what I hated about Sarri is that he never, ever changed. And for me, football is about adaptability. You know, sometimes, I mean, you know, Arsenal, Wenger would never, ever take any account of who he was playing. And and, and more often than not, it would, would come a cropper, particularly against us because of it. You know, you, this is what football's about. You're playing 11 other people. You've got to figure out how they're going to play and find out a way to stop them playing as well. And that means you have to change formation sometimes. Sometimes you have to do it in the middle of a match. It's what we love Mourinho for. He was adept at doing that. So I don't, I don't think forma- formation... You know, Kerry always says this. He said, Chid, shut up. It's not about systems. It's about the players. And I have to say I'm inclined to agree with him. Right, the best teams play with a strong centre-back pairing, but at Chelsea we keep changing centre-backs every game. It's not helping with the consistency or having a solid back line. I feel Christensen should be a constant in our back line. He brings composure, and the last few weeks he is also trying to impose himself physically. I want to see less of Rudiger and more of Zuma and Tomori. Who do you guys prefer, Jonathan? Um, I think I said I'd like to see Christensen and Tomori play. And I agree. I think Rudiger's been a disappointment, actually. We thought he was going to be the saviour when he came back from injury. But he's, um, his inability to, uh, to play those long balls, occasionally he plays a very good long ball, but lots of the time the ball goes off for a goal kick, which is a bit like Louise used to do. But it's, um, uh, he's, and he's not also not uh, strong enough for me in the opposition penalty area. We should be seeing him winning more balls. And, um, and he's occasionally been uh, easily beaten. I think he's, he, I, he's not for me, he's, he's not the answer. I would try... I would try Christensen and Tomori just to see out of this group, we might discover that they buy a centre-half. You never know. But presuming they don't, I, I think I said earlier, I'd like James, Christensen, Tomori and one other. Not, um, uh, I'd love Matson to be good enough to play because he's, he's very very reminiscent of Ashley Cole, but I think he's possibly too young. And uh, my, my problem with Dave is despite Dave's um, inexhaustible um, efforts of getting back and tackling and his excellence he just cannot cross drives me around the twist the odd one comes in but it's the ones and when he's when he's stretching to actually get it in which we've seen um james do on several occasions um uh, dave just doesn't manage it um so i would like a different left back martin uh, definitely tamori um the other three are much of a much as i think christensen hasn't made as many mistakes recently so I'd go with him but I've not been sold on him in the past I think he still think he's far too weak yeah I, I it's a real conundrum I mean the reality is I think if you if you know if you go back to what we were saying earlier on about wanting the best wanting the challenge for stuff you know me saying I don't think our spine's good enough um I would say Tamori he's not there yet he's got a lot to learn and he's got a mistake in him but I think I think he's he's got a lot of ability um and he's and he's an intelligent footballer too, uh, so he he gets my vote definitely. Uh, and I think all the others are imperfect. You know, Rudiger's a physical beast and he's quick, but he's got two left feet and he like likes to try and try Hollywood passes that go into touch. No, no, Antonio. 
Uh, Christensen, I think, is a good footballer, but I don't think he's he's not a fighter and he's not a leader. Really good, by the way, I think is a leader, but I don't think Christensen's really up to it physically and he gets bullied too easily, but I think he's a good footballer, so he's not perfect. And I think Zuma, Zuma I like, actually, you know, although I just don't think he's technically a good enough footballer, but I, I think he's got bags of energy and spirit. I mean, I mean, the funny thing is, I would go Zuma Tamori, actually, like, like you're uh, saying, uh, Prasanth. Anyway... What's our attacking pattern? All I see is a move to the final third and pass it to our wingers, fullbacks, and cross. Each and every cross hits the first man or goes out of play. When was the last time a through ball was played? Game after game, I don't see any improvement. Do you guys think we are working on it in the training ground? Well, I would suggest that they are working on the training ground, but for some reason the players are not not doing it on the pitch. We alluded to this a bit earlier on, didn't we, Jonathan, saying yeah. that they're you know, brainwashed, not thinking in in the time, basically stuck in old ways of sideways passing, pass at the side, pass at the side. Rather, I mean, they always look better for me when they quickly move the ball down to the wings and put a ball in quickly. You know, uh, I, I, am I wrong? No, but I, th- I think it's wrong to say that all they do is cross the ball. I think there were lots of moves in the whole game where even there was a wonderful pass from uh, Kovacic to Mount and then Mount didn't control it properly. Um, and uh, there was even that terrible moment where they passed the ball four times in the penalty area. Do you remember that? When, oh, and, and, it, hell, yeah. and it went off. The last one went past Mount, and you thought, "Oh God!" So it isn't all just centres. It, it's um, it is trying to mark the ball through and uh, uh, trying possibly walking the ball into the net. But um, Williams' um, default is to try and beat as many players inside and have a shot which he scored from this season. So once again, I, I don't think it's it's as simple as just crosses. I think it's they try everything and it just doesn't work, unfortunately. Yeah. Martin, any thoughts on that? Uh, not really. I don't think it's as much sideways pass now, but it's like a semicircle almost where it just goes around in a, like a yeah. crescent and then any impetus in an attack breaks down. But you can only play what's in front of you. And if they've blocked up the middle and they, yeah, the only available absolutely. men are to the side, then so be it. And therein lies the issue. Uh, we are playing against 11 players. People do tend to forget this. Right, one of the highlights of Jody when he was our youth coach is the expansive football that we played to dismantle teams. But what's with us and breaking down low blocks? To be frank, we've had this issue for three or four years now. Without Hazard, it seems even more strenuous. The biggest issue for me is a lack of third-man runs, our wingers, fullbacks being hopeless in crossing, barring Reese James, and the lack of a creative number 10. With the transfer ban lifted, I'm disappointed that the board has not backed Frank so far. His post-match versus Hull was a damning plea, and I was hoping if Ron had some good news for our listeners. I think we've kind of already discussed that, uh, Prasanth. Um, I think we have an issue with the midfielders not getting into the box enough uh, and getting onto the end of things enough. And you're right, we do lack we lack a hazard, a creative number ten type player. I think Ron's banned uh, banned you from uh, he's basically not talked to you anymore. Isn't that true, Jonathan? Um, yes, because I I said a couple of things that I wasn't supposed to have done, so I got scowled at by his missus. Um, but uh, let's see, it's still it's still four days, and let's see whether any of his uh, suggestions come true. Yeah, we shall see. I've got a lovely post from Andrew, the lovely Andrew Bailey. Uh, it's about time you came over to the UK, mate. We haven't seen you for a long time. Uh, anyway, he says, Rudiger is not a leader, not in the mould of the leaders we've had before or what we need now. Actually, do you know what? I agree with you. I'd say Rudiger's a shouter, not a leader, and that's different. 
good good spot, uh, Mr. Bailey. Uh, right, Mason Mount has all the attributes of being a top midfielder, but as games keep coming in thick and fast, I was hoping that Frank would give the kid a breather. Well, he's also been carrying about four different injuries as well. His output has gone down severely, and looking at the number of games he started, I think he needs a breather. I feel his vision and picking a pass as a number 10 needs work, and hopefully that comes with age. Do you guys think we could try out William or Pulisic or hudson Doy to give our attack a different dimension? Um... Yeah, actually, you know, William and P- I mean Pulisic is not fit, annoyingly, but he could definitely do that. I'm not so sure about Hudson and Doyle. I've always been under the impression he's more of an out-and-out winger, but what do I know, Martin? <laughs> about the same as me, I suspect. Oh, um, well, there you go. Be, yeah, I mean, maybe Pulisic could work in that position, but he has to come back from injury, and he does. Yeah, it's just he. He, I agree that he has Mason Man has been playing too many games. The it's been fo- it's been picked up now by journalists as well. But if there's no one else to play, then what can you do? Unfortunately, some of the players to to um, give him that breather are either unfit or just simply not good enough. Yeah, would you rather have Barkley playing there? Press Jesus, no. <laughs> I think there therein lies the issue. Uh, right, finally coming to our Arsenal and Hull games. Ugh, the naivety from our experienced players to not kick the ball out when leading 2-1 with five minutes to go. How do we even coach that? Well, I don't, I don't think they're, they're, they're coached to like not kick the ball out. But anyway, the mistakes keep happening game after game. Our bigger problem seems to be the players losing their concentration or not getting motivated and also our lack of killer instinct in front of goal. God, the uh, expected goals metric game after game is depressing. Why can't we have a killer instinct? Uh, I really don't have an answer for that and I don't think Frank does. Um you know, the reality from what I understand in football is when it comes to finishing and killer instinct, you either have it or you don't. Am I right, Jonathan? Um, I, I don't know. I'll just go back to the beginning of the season. I thought we did pretty well. We scored four goals nearly every time. I don't quite see what's happened. Um, we, you know, we seem to get the ball in beautifully. Pulisic driving in, Tammy bamboozling the goalkeeper. Uh, something's happened whether they've got just slightly stale with it or they're overtraining or undertraining, I don't know. I don't know. Mental fatigue, physical yeah. fatigue, yeah. confidence. Could, you could see, be this all is, of that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these these are the things, you know, this is the, this is one of the reasons why being a football fan, Prashant, is so annoying. It's a bit like uh, reading a book with a third of the pages missing, right? So you don't know what's going on. We don't know what lies behind this. We only see what's on the pitch. We don't see what's on the training ground. We don't know what the physical condition is for the players half the time. We don't know what the mental condition is with the players half the time. You know, as I said, I think that's a good analogy. It's like reading a book with a third of the pages missing. We just don't know. Very annoying. Now, so all that being said, what are your realistic expectations for this season at this point in time? Well, winning everything, of course, no, at this point in time. And considering we don't sign any new players, we're looking, looking forward to the pod this Monday. Keep up the great work, guys. And I hope I do not bore you all with my email. See, no VAR talk. Yes, well done for that, Prasad. Very good email, Prasad. Some really good questions. My expectations, I'd very much like us to to get in the top four. I think we're capable of it. Um, I'd like to see us win the FA Cup. I think we're capable of it. I'd like to see us beat Bayern Munich. I think we'll struggle with that one. But if we don't do any of that, and if we finish 10th, and if Liverpool or... Well, if Shrewsbury knock us out in the next round, I'll be pissed off. But if Liverpool do, I'll, you know, I'll take that one on the chin. Uh... And if we don't finish in the top four, if we're 10th, I'll be okay with that because that's what we always said at the start of this season. And I'll, they'll have my backing even if that happens. Jonathan? I completely, I agree with you completely with everything you've said. 
Yes, I'd like it. If we don't finish in the top four, I'd like to finish in the top six. So at least we then have Europa League. But if it's not to be, then we'll have an unencumbered season to uh, to fight for the uh, the Premier League title without any any uh, European distractions. Martin, I think with other teams being as poor as they are, I think I did not expect to be potentially being disappointed by not finishing in the top four. It's not. To me, it's not the end of the world if they don't, but I'd be considering the amount of points we've dropped. I think we should already be comfortably ensconced in that position. But I'm prepared to accept that in a few weeks' time, we could well be seventh or eighth. It's just the way this league table is at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. Well, there we go. Very, very level-headed, sensible people we are, Prasad. I hope you like that. And in fact, I mean, a lot of people have written in and so they do like that. The fact that we. You know, we are a bit more reasoned and, uh, I mean, you know, we get upset like everybody does. We love football. We hate, hate seeing our team lose. But, you know, we don't just, you know, get get stupid about it. That's the reality. Brilliant emails this week. And here's the last one, Jonathan. It's from Daniel Cabral. Uh, yesterday we lost a legend. Kobe Bryant meant so much to basketball. A top athlete to be remembered like all greats in sports. It remind us, reminds us that win or lose is just a game. Cherish every moment and love. We never know when it's our time. And thank you, Kobe, for everything you've done. May you and your daughter rest in peace. You'll be in our prayers. <sighs> yep. Very sad, wasn't it? Very sad. Oh, dear. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of basketball at all, to be really honest with you. But even I knew who Kobe Bryant was and uh, Shaq, Shaq O'Neal and Magic Johnson and LeBron James. So the, these guys have, uh, like all great sportsmen, they have they have worldwide reach, don't they, Martin? It's always really sad when you lose one tragically young in an accident like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was watching, it came off of my phone from a maybe a less than reputable news source. So, and originally I thought it might be rubbish or one of those sick accounts that make things up. But There's no way to talk about Sky Sports. <laughs> I know, this is <laughs> way before that. But as it just gradually became apparent that it was true as... I was, I was, I was, I was, there happened to be an, a basketball game on that had just started as the news broke and watching that broadcast and some of those they've, they've kids basically trying to play the game and these grizzled old men breaking down in tears on the broadcast wow. was just awful and then this was before we even knew that um, uh, I can't remember her name offhand so forgive me but Kobe's daughter had been lost in the crash Gianna, well. Gianna, Gianna yeah, yeah. that she'd been lost in the crash it's just Make it, make it, making an already awful story ten times more tragic. Just, just awful. And you can see it in the outpouring, not just from his contemporaries in basketball, but you know people like David Beckham tweeting about it, Paul Pogba, and like Chelsea put up some photos of the time when I think Terry and Drogba met Kobe Bryant on one of the summer tours. He was actually a, he was an AC Milan fan, I believe. He spoke. I thought he was a Barca fan. Uh, there's, he lived in Italy part of his childhood. And oh, he became right. an AC. There's this, there's this clip of him speaking bloody good Italian from wow. a few years back, and he started talking about how he was a fan of AC AC Milan. Wow! But you know, um, I think they there was a, he was a UNICEF thing with Barcelona, which is why you saw the photo of that right. too. But yeah, just an awful tragedy and yeah, thoughts with is. the family. Awful. Always reminds me, especially with a helicopter. Always reminds me of Matty Harding, yeah. of course. You know, yeah. Well, when the less the Leicester chairman last year, yeah, it's just yeah, dangerous, yeah. bloody things, aren't they? Uh, do you know what they scare the absolute living shit out of me? Me and you and, both. Uh, you know, and my I, and my wife 
uh, who's not f- frightened of anything. Actually, she's fearless. Bless her heart. Um, but she used to she used to race down mountains skiing at ninety miles an hour for England when she was a kid. She's got absolutely no fear. And I am a complete pussy. I I, I, don't, I won't do anything that risks life or limb ever. Never have done. Uh, and on my fiftieth birthday, when we went to New York, she. Uh, she basically made me go up in a helicopter and did the helicopter tour of Manhattan, which I have to say was absolutely fantastic. But I, 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 I can't believe what I think I must have still been hung over and my brain wasn't working. Of course, you know, a, few, a couple of years later, one of those bloody helicopters ended up in the Hudson, didn't it? Yeah. So uh, I don't think I, the more I think about it, I'm, the more I'm thinking I'm not going in a helicopter ever again. So there you go. But anyway, Daniel, thank you very much for that email. And I'm very sorry for, you know, the loss of anybody who loved uh, Kobe Bryant and basketball. But actually on a human level, you know, any sort of loss is terrible. And it was really good of you to allow us to be able to talk about it and squeeze that into a football show. So thank you for that. And a rather sad uh, note to end it on, particularly for his family that he's left behind. I think it's just the the, the human tragedy of it is just awful. So there you go. Uh, For those of you affected, uh, you know, I, I feel for you. I really do. Right. Uh, sadly, that is also uh, all we've got time for this week. Uh, we will be back, of course, next Monday. Uh, uh, anyway, we will be joined by... Uh, who Who do you think will be on the show next week, Jonathan? Um, me? If you can guess who's on. Yeah, you're on. Very good. Who else is on? Um, you? Yeah, I'm on. Very good. Yeah. Who's off, Who's the uh, significant other special guest, golden goal guest? Esteemed guest. Uh, esteemed guest. Thank you, Martin. Um, pass. Okay, no, it's not pass. It's Joe Tweedy. Ah, again. Oh, that'll be oh, wonderful. That'll be yeah. Joe speaking and us just going. Oh wow. Well, I know. So easy night for you and me. Yeah. We'll just let Joe do all the talking. Yeah. So that'll be good. So don't miss that one out there, uh, you lot out there next week. Now we'll obviously be looking back at Chelsea's match against Leicester, and uh, we'll also now we've got Joe on. Of course, it's good that we've got Joe on for this because we'd be talking about all the players that Chelsea has bought and sold with the transfer window <laughs> ending next Friday. Won't or we, not. Jonathan? Or not? Or not? Exactly. Uh, we will also, of course, be uh, back on air on Friday on the Love Sport Radio Show, where Jonathan and I will be joining Matt Beadle from 7 o'clock till 8, <clears throat> talking Chelsea, of course. So do give it a listen. And don't forget that I now do the Sunday Love Sport Breakfast Show from 8 a.m. until 12 p.m. every Sunday with the lovely Paul Mortimer. So phone in and uh, join in the show and uh, debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 70 You can also just send us in a WhatsApp. That works as well. Uh, Love Sports, a national radio station, broadcast on the DAB digital channels, and you can listen to it also through Radio Player, TuneIn, or Love Sport Radio. And, of course, our Friday night shows are available as a podcast afterward on all of our podcast platforms, which are Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, Podbean, and many, many others. And, you know, basically just go to ChelseaFanCast.com. I always put the show up there. Uh, and also, uh, you can. Uh, there's a brilliant new app actually by CFC Blues, who's put all the best Chelsea podcasts together. Obviously, we're in there. Uh, so if you just download their app uh, from uh, your app store, uh, you can have all your podcasts in one place, as they so eloquently describe here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. 
Right, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kid, Martin at Martin underscore Wickham, and of course check out the website ChelseaFancast.com uh, and you can read all the lovely blogs by the likes of at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears, at CFCGWLB, and the rest of the Chelsea Fancast mob. Oh, Clayton at Goalie59, Tony at GrocerJack UK, Marco at Gate17, Marco, Joe at Joe Tweedy. Dan at DanSilv73, Liam at Liam underscore Toomey, and Alex at CSEGWLB, and Dean at Dean Mears. There you go. Big thank you to Dane Whittle, as ever, who is brilliant. He's taken over the job of managing the Instagram account at Chelsea Fancast, and he's doing a cracking job, so make sure you check that out on Instagram. By the way, uh, I got a new iPhone today, and I can't find my personal Stamford Bridge uh, Stanford Bridge, Stanford Chidge Instagram password. So you may not be hearing from me personally on Instagram for a while because I can't remember the password. And I don't know how to work Instagram, which is why Dane's doing it. Dope. So there you go. Anyway, enough. We've had a good show tonight. It's gone on way longer than I thought. You know, for about, about you know, 10 minutes to uh, nine, I was thinking, oh, we might, we might get away for under two hours this week, JK, and look at what's happened. It's typical. It's, it's, it's just typical. It's just all this value we give them every week, mate. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. I just That's what I like to call it. What? That's what I like to call it. What, value? Yeah. Value, mate. Value. value. Yeah. yeah. I, I never it, knew there was so much in I it. I actually think it's Martin's fault. Oh, really? You can't pin this one on Martin. Yeah. I think he's been very well behaved. I think so. Non-stop. Non-stop. Yabba, yabba, yabba. <laughs> he's been good, though, hasn't he? <laughs> 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 Martin, you've been great tonight. It's I can't believe... I mean, when, when did you first come and sit on the benches and, oh, and, and abuse me? Christ, God knows. Uh, to say 2013 or something like that. But 2013. Was it the Rafa season? It might... Well, I think the abuse was going around the, around the houses. Then, yeah, it was the season we shouted. The never-ending season. Like 67 yeah. games and every one yeah. of them felt like purgatory from about November onwards. So there you go. So we'd been going for about five years then, uh, and it's taken us seven years to actually get you on the show properly. I I think that I'm embarrassed by that, but I'm delighted we've rectified it. You've been brilliant tonight. Well done. Thank you very much. Good to be there. We'll get you back on soon. There's no doubt about that. Right, uh, Jonathan, you've been brilliant as well. Uh, The Mixler people have been absolutely delightful. Sorry I've not interacted with you too much tonight. There's been too much going on in the talking bit so there you go but always lovely to see you in the Mixler chat room anyway we've got to go time to go thanks for listening see you next time <coughs> Bob Fleming moment uh, until then keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it chills up the chills It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.